Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday to you and yours. Happy day after Monday. Happy day before Wednesday. Uh, you're tuned into the right show. It's going to be a fantastic show. Awesome show. I can't predict where it's going to go. I brought in a co-pilot. That's how nervous about how dangerous this show is going to be. I brought in a co-pilot. Bryson Gray, back in studio with us today. Uh, you guys know Bryson, the rap star uh, for the conservative movement. Uh, Bryson, is it official to say, are you off the Trump bandwagon? Um, I like Trump as a human, but as far as like somebody to run the country, I think we need a Christian, so. Oh, man, you're right there with me. That, that's what I've been saying that. Oh, my God. Anyway, Bryson's here to help me and to help us get through a conversation, a very dangerous, dicey conversation related to Stephen Crowder's feud with the Daily Wire. If you don't know, Stephen Crowder last night conducted a two-hour interview with Tim Poole on TimCast last night, and it was explosive. It was interesting and fascinating. We're going to discuss it today. Uh, we've seen this back and forth where Stephen Crowder seemed to come off the top rope from out of nowhere on the head of the Daily Wire and Jeremy Boring and Ben Shapiro. He secretly tape recorded some conversation between he and Jeremy Boring. People are upset. He's, he said the Daily Wire puts people under contracts that are unfair and limits their freedom of speech and limits them as conservatives. The Daily Wire responds. Jeremy Boring does a 52-minute rant, goes through the contract word for word. And now Stephen Crowder has done a two-hour interview with Tim Poole, and it was good. It was spicy. Um, I watched it uh, this morning. Bryson watched it last night. We're going to discuss it in detail because this is a very important story, I think, for the future of America. But before we get into that, I want to make sure that I take care of one of our good friends here uh, at Fearless, Nugenics. Getting older is a big adjustment. It changes your day-to-day -day energy and worse, your body. It gets hard to stay healthy. You might have more of this dad bod that's trendy. I call it the gluttonous Whitlock bod. <laughs> it's okay. As men age, our body naturally loses free testosterone. I call it the man hormone. It happens to every man, so don't worry. Would you like more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels used in tr the trials, and Nugenics formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. It can all help you re-energize your life, help you get back to the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior that I am and you used to be. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text FEARLESS to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231-231. That's FEARLESS to 231-231. 
Texting enrolls you in the reoccurring automated text messages, consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Mm. All right, took care of my guys at Nugenics, gave you guys some good advice so you can look as good as me, <laughs> feel as good as me. Obviously, I still have more work to do. Nugenics is helping me out. Uh, but I, I want to get back to the story of the day, and we're going to be on this topic today for a long time, so buckle up. Uh, Royce White's going to be here. TJ Moe's going to be here. We'll bring Shamika Michelle in at some point, hopefully today, if we don't go too long. But I, I, let, me, let me start here in terms of how Steven Crowder views himself. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand fully what's going on with Steven Crowder. He, he, he's engaging and has picked a fight and started a war that I think most people don't understand. And most people are confused by his tactics. The recording of Jeremy Boring secretly, that has been off-putting to people. It's been off-putting to me. But I'm not that concerned with tactics. I'm wondering what the real motive is and what the real agenda is. And I think I had my feelings and my read of the situation confirmed last night during his two-hour interview with Tim Poole. What Steven Crowder has done has been absolutely brilliant. I, I, I'm, I'm on Team Crowder. The, the whole theme of this show is Steven Crowder exposed the Daily Wire, changed my mind. You've ever seen Steven Crowder in his video? He goes to college campuses and asks college kids to change his mind. I think he has exposed the Daily Wire. I want you in the comments, in the chat, via email, you change my mind. Anybody that's listened to the show, and I've read the emails people have been sending me at fearlessblazeshow at gmail, I like your feedback. Some of you are upset with me. You think I've been taking pot shots at the Daily Wire. You think I've been taking pot shots at Ben Shapiro. You think I've been unfair to Ben and to the Daily Wire. I haven't been. I've just been in the same mindset of where Steven Crowder clearly is and has been for quite a while. The Daily Wire is not America first. That's what is upsetting Steven Crowder. The Daily Wire is a slave to the globalist movement. That's Steven Crowder's position. He's not stating it that clearly. He's not going to come at it as directly as I'm going to today because as a tactic, if he comes at the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro the way that I'm going to today, he will be accused of anti-Semitism. Just like I probably will be after today's show. I'm not anti-Semitic. I don't have any problem with Jewish people, but I do love America and my agenda is America first. And my agenda above all else is Jesus first and last. And the Daily Wire ain't about that life. I don't say it as a, 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 a huge criticism, 
But I say their worldview and their agenda conflicts with my worldview and my agenda. And I should be able to say that without being accused of, oh, you're anti-Semitic. Oh, that's racist. Oh, you can't say that. I'm a American. I believe in free speech. I believe in engaging in difficult conversations. I believe in honest conversations. I believe it's possible that there are people, when, when you're the big melting pot like America is, and you have people with connections all over the world, there are people living here in America, expressing power, using power here in America, that's not America first. They have competing global interests. And I don't think it's anti-Semitic to say that there are some Jewish people, faithful Jewish people, whose primary concern is Israel and then America. That's not anti-Semitism. That's facts. There are people like that in the world. And so when I look at how uh, the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro handled the vaccine issue, seem very similar to Israel. Not similar or not with the same spirit of anybody that understands America and the religious and medical freedoms that we all used to take for granted. No way someone who is a thousand percent committed to America is trying to force this vaccine or supporting this vaccine being pushed by the government, no way. And that includes Donald Trump, him pushing the vaccine, un-American. I have no problem with the people that took the vaccine, none. But should we be pushing it on people, supporting an experimental medical trial that, that Operation Warp Speed, which I operation stupidity. You can't do a vaccine in six to eight months. You can't let a bad case of the flu make everybody change all the rules here in America. Immediately when this started happening, I was like, hold on, man, this ain't the first pandemic we've had here in America. This pe yes, people are going to die. That's the consequence of freedom. This is my early position and gut feeling on like, we're overreacting. And, and what are we doing here? And people start, there were people, I, I, you know, I, I really don't care for Clay Travis, but I gotta give the man credit. This was a sports writer that was like, hey man, y'all overdosing on uh, this uh, COVID fear porn. What are we doing here? If a sports writer can figure it out and take that risk and start questioning it right off the bat and others, screw Clay Travis, Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz and people here at The Blaze that started doing real journalism around what are we doing here? But the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro were supporting it. In my view, that's un-American. And so, I'm about an America first agenda. And I believe Steven Crowder is about an America first agenda. I don't agree with the secretly tape recording people. I don't agree with the argument that, hey, this is about 
uh, big tech contracts for young content creators down the road. That's a side attack. That, that's a, a sneak attack. That's that, but that's how you have to attack the Daily Wire if you want to avoid being treated like Kanye West. And so if the man comes straight down the middle like Kanye West did and said, hey, these contracts, they got us signing out in Hollywood, and there's a certain group of people that have an inordinate amount of control out in Hollywood that are making us sign these contracts. If you go that route, JP Morgan Chase cuts your money off. They run you into seclusion. They brand you as an anti-Semite. If you uh, tweet out a movie they don't like, they do you like they did Kyrie Irving and suspend you. And so Steven Crowder, being smart, understanding the opposition that he's dealing with and who he wants to call out and question their tactics, he takes an indirect approach. It's not the approach I would take, but I get why he did it. Steven Crowder's got a wife and family and kids like Kanye West. I don't. I come straight down the middle and tell you exactly what I do and don't like. And when the Kanye West thing was going on and they wouldn't allow Candace Owens to even interview Kanye West, I came on this show and said, hey, man, this is un-American. I came on this show and showed y'all the way things used to be done in America. I showed you what Phil Donahue, a Roman Catholic who had the who was the original Oprah Winfrey in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. He used to interview any and everybody, Louis Farrakhan to the head of the KKK. There were no people that got deplatformed and oh, you can't speak to them and they're beneath being platformed and blah. And so when, when I looked at the Daily Wire and it's like, Kanye can't even talk? He can't even get interviewed? Kanye West in America? That's not American. And it pissed me off. And it's like, this is this kind of hate speech that they've in Europe, in Canada, in Israel, and, and these laws are sneaking into America. That there's things you can't say or it's considered hate speech. They're infringing upon our First Amendment right, a fundamental right when they're bringing in a mindset and a worldview that's un-America and hostile to what Jesus Christ teaches me. And so I think Stephen Crowder is feeling all of this and is one and, and understands the time that we're in. We're in a war of good versus evil. We're in a spiritual war and conflict and you're going to lose friends. You may lose some family members. Mama and daddy may not side with you. You need to be siding with God and screw everybody else. And so you can get upset with Steven Crowder's tactics. But Steven Crowder wanted to pick a fight and wanted to have a war with a group that is out posturing as if it's opposition to the establishment and this evil agenda that's going on. They're posturing. He's calling them out on it.
I salute him for it. Starting the war. He can, you know what, I, I came up with this analogy, and I've come up with several, and we'll unpack my Game of Thrones analogy later in the show, but, but the, the new one I came up with this morning is like, if you ever saw Mel Gibson in the movie The Patriot, and, and that's who Steven Crowder thinks he is, and he understands his enemy better than the traditionalists, because during the Revolutionary War, th that's what this movie's about, the British used to come out, and the Americans, the, the way to fight was to come out and, and stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe, 100 yards away from each other, and just fire muskets and cannons at each other. And we, Americans, we were getting slaughtered fighting that way, the direct, manly approach. And so Mel Gibson's character, the Patriot, started fighting from the weeds and started ambushing people. He started, he started baiting people to come down a path, then he, he and his guys would jump out from behind a tree and slaughter everybody. And it changed the whole Revolutionary War, and that's how we won. We knew the terrain of America better than the colonizers, the British. We knew the good places to hide and how to lay traps. He changed the entire Revolutionary War with his tactics. Sneak attack, it was seen as cowardly at that time but it won us our freedom. Steven Crowder looks cowardly, looks like a sneak attack. But how else do you come at this particular group without them framing you as an anti-Semite, a racist, a homophobe, a, a, some sort of bigot? They silence you with all this name calling because they don't want to stand out toe to toe, stand on truth, and let's just have the debate and the discussion. They want to silence and deplatform you. So Kanye doesn't get to talk. He gets run out of the country and they take his money from him. Kyrie Irving, they suspend him. Shut him down. Just go play basketball, boy. We don't want to hear nothing about your religion and that movie. Go sit down and shut up somewhere. I'm not with it. And they can silence me. They can take my YouTube channel. They can take all my money. They can do whatever. I'm going to stand with God. And so anybody that's been listening to me on this show, I love Matt Walsh. I love What is a Woman in that documentary. What was my criticism of it? And this is my issue with the Daily Wire. And again, an understanding of what time we're actually living in in America and in the world. There's a spiritual war going on. We're not winning the war, leaving God on the sidelines. That was my criticism of what is a woman. They're doing a documentary about the truth about gender and God is nowhere in it. There is no truth without God. There's none. You can't win this spiritual war. We're going to leave God on the sidelines. I believe Steven Crowder recognizes that. Do I think he's perfect? No. Am I perfect? Hell no. Will he make some mistakes? Yes. Has he perhaps made a mistake and some of y'all are upset? Maybe. But we need to have this war. We need everybody to authentically come out and say what team they're on. If you're not down with America, I'm at odds with you. Period, end of story. And so 
That's not the religious thing. I'm let everybody practice whatever religion they want to or ignore whatever religion they want to. You don't have to believe what I believe as it relates to religion. But when it comes to protecting these freedoms that I enjoy and you enjoy and that allow us to practice whatever religion we want and to think whatever we want. If you ain't on my team on that. If you can't understand as a journalist, the Daily Wire is supposed to be a journalist organization, and you can't understand why Kanye West needs to be heard, that Tucker Carlson damn sure should have interviewed him, that Candace Owens as his friend, as someone who supported her documentary about George Floyd, she damn sure should have been able to interview this man in America. If you don't understand that, we ain't on the same team. And I got a problem with you and I don't have a problem with the way Steven Crowder is attacking you. Steven Crowder exposed the Daily Wire. Changed my mind. Hop in the comments, hop, hop in my email, hop over Twitter. Changed my mind. He exposed the Daily Wire. The only way to expose them, if he goes the route you want him to go. They just whip out the old playbook, anti-Semite, shut up. And now we're having a conversation about anti-Semitism, not whether these contracts are in bed with big tech and silencing people. I'm gonna stop there, bring Bryson into the conversation. Then I'm gonna start, later I'm gonna start unpacking some of these highlights from Interviews last night with Tim Pool, some things that uh, back up my point. Hold on, Bryson, before I bring it. I want to, I have a clip, Justin. This is a clip not from last night. It's Steven Crowder talking on his own show, backing up Kanye West. I I think you know the clip I'm talking about, where he's talking, where he basically backs up Kanye West Again, Steven Crowder's been real slick here, but he's left clues everywhere about what his real problem is. And it's the same problem I got. So l- let's play this clip of Steven Crowder on his own show, not Tim Pool's. I don't think he hates Jewish people. I think he's been wronged. And yes. I think that he's aiming sometimes a howitzer. He's being imprecise. Right. Yes. Um, but he's not wrong about everything. Look, is there a conversation to be had about secular humanists with Jewish last names in Hollywood exploiting people uh, in positions of, uh, you know, the performance arts talent. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that happens in the conservative movement too, behind the scenes. People sign contracts where they don't know what they're signing. Yeah, it's true. Is there a uh, disproportionate number of people with Jewish last names in higher banking? That's, That's an argument that can be made. Y'all can get caught up in the tactics. You can get caught up in the pretense. The, the man is picking a fight with a group, with an organization that's on the wrong side of American values. That's my position. Bryson, uh, what did you hear last night? What's your take on any of this? Um, so I, made a, I did a live stream about this uh, the night before the Daily Wire thing. And when, when, he, had, uh, when he had the interview with Tim, Tim Kass, he pretty much proved everything I said to be true. Right, because you can argue over tactics, as you said, but the question is, was he wrong? Was he wrong? You, you can say, oh, he shouldn't have recorded them, but why haven't any of these people addressed what was said on the phone call? 
right? You, you can say that's messed up. You can say you don't trust Steven Crowder because of that. That's very understandable. But address what is said and address what is happening. So Steven Crowder talked about this contract. This contract is terrible. Even Tim Poole said that's why he declined to sign the contract with Daily Wire because it wasn't going to work out. Tim Poole said that last night. This contract is worse than rapper contracts. And what I mean by that is for people that don't know about rapper contracts or music artist contracts, period, when they fund your music, you don't make money off that song or off that album until they recoup their money. And then that's where you can start making money off your music. But you can only recoup the money off of your percentage of the music. So if you get 50% uh, of the song uh, and they invested a million dollars, if your song makes a million dollars and you only get 50%, you only pay back 500,000. So you still owe them 500,000. And this is why all these artists end up, end, end up complaining. What's worse about the Daily Wire contract is, um, and this is if I'm not mistaken, but I think I read it and I double checked it, uh, with the documentaries, it seems like the talent gets 0% of the documentaries ever. <laughs> what? I've never seen nothing that crazy. So uh, when he's when he's telling people, uh, we got these younger people. He is right about that case also. We got these younger people signing these contracts. They are actually wage slaves, literal wage slaves. And by the way, this this is not Bryson Gray's word. That's that's what Jeremy Boring said. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 in the in the phone call, and they own you at this point. Like they literally own you worse than anything else. And <clears throat> if it was strictly business, I would understand. They are investing the money. The issue is what Steven Crowder said, and this is the point I've been saying. You can't claim to fight against big tech. You can't claim, you can't claim to have a parallel economy. You can't claim to be against the powers that be and also say it's just business. Them two things can't be true at once. You have to, you have to choose one. If it's money, 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 Daily Wire, tell us it's money, money, money. And then everything is perfectly fine. But once you paint yourself as the people that's going against uh, the powers that be. You can't then, as Stephen Crowder said, be an arm of social media. So, uh, because Tim Pool has a big show. He's not penalizing people that work, that work for him for getting a strike on YouTube. Why, why isn't he doing it? Why isn't everybody, uh, why isn't people like that doing it? Why, why are these more independent-minded people understand that this is a culture war? So they're doing that because they understand that they're, they go, it'll go against their values. And why are we just, because it seems like we have the minority view in sort of the defending uh, sort of defending uh, yeah, mm -hmm. this is minority view. When I, when I saw it on Twitter, I said, what? But it's because Daily Wire played it smart. They made it about the $50 million. The $50 million. And then everybody says, I don't care. This is, this is just about rich people arguing. No, no. This is about the future of the conservative movement, period. People don't understand how important this conversation is and how important what is happening is. And I'm so glad that you're doing an entire show on it and going in on the, on the ins and outs. And maybe people can understand how um, this can change the entire landscape of conservatism. Let me, let me go a cut deeper or buttress Bryson's point or, or bring it home what, what Bryson is saying. So, and this was, I've already walked you through what is a woman. And I thought it was great, but I thought it was odd. And you heard me talk with Matt Walsh, and I love Matt Walsh. I love Matt Walsh. But you heard me talk to him about, man, why don't I leave God out of it? And so here's the other point that Stephen Crowder is saying. Like, hey, man, these guys' values aren't right. They're, they're collecting all these subscriptions under the pretense 
we're right there with you in this battle of good versus evil. We're going, we're on the side of good. We're on the side of God. That's how they're fronting. And then they turned around. What was that other movie they made? Terror on the Prairie. And they invited me to come watch it. And I went. I'm an honest person. It was great evening. Everything was first class. I was thrilled that they asked me to come. But I watched the movie and I was like, hold on, man. I got a subscription to the Daily Wire. I know a bunch of other people got a subscription to the Daily Wire. They have subscriptions because they feel like they're supporting a movement that's bigger than just the content. You're trying to change the culture and the Hollywood culture. And I was like, so why have y'all paid this director and scriptwriter who's made a movie, Tear on the Prey, where the only Christian person in the movie is the worst person in the movie? Nick Searcy's character, who is the villain, quotes the Bible relentlessly in this movie. He's a Christian and he's the bad guy. And I said on the show, when I talked about the next day, I was like, this feels like betrayal. I'm giving my money up and people are giving their money up because they're sick of Hollywood demonizing Christians and Christian values. And the Daily Wire gets in bed with one of these Hollywood directors and lets him take conservative Christian money and make an anti-Christian movie with a woman as it's it's matriarchal. Gina Carano kills everybody. She's the hero. Her husband uh, shoots someone in the back at the end. Gina Carano is the big hero. And the bad guy is a Bible thumping Christian. And I'm like, are y'all really down? Are we really playing for the same team? Because if your values are in alignment with mine and the people giving up that money for subscriptions, you look at that movie and you slap the S-H-I-T out of that director said, you better go rewrite this S-H-I-T. We're not putting this out. I can get all this from Hollywood. I can go watch the Equalizer and watch Queen Latifah beat up a bunch of men and then come with some kind of uh, homosexual agenda at the, I, 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 I don't, why would I get this from the Daily Wire? Cause they ain't down. Not really. They don't have 10 toes down on, they're not standing on that Bible and on God. Not tend to, they're standing on money. They want to be celebrities. They want to fit in in Hollywood. And again, it, it sounds like I'm just beating up on them, beating up on them. Oh, Jason works for the Blaze and Jason. <clears throat> if you followed this show, I'm not into the politics like a lot of people are. I'm really, I've never voted. My whole platform is around, are we supporting God? When I left Hollywood in LA and came here to Tennessee, it was a God thing. It was about God and getting involved with something real and leaving all of that behind. That's why I'm not ashamed to say whatever I want to say. And I don't care if it's uh, misunderstood, mischaracterized, do whatever you want with it. I know what I did. My actions speak louder than any words. And that's why when I look at people fronting like, yeah, screw Hollywood, screw Disney, uh, screw the, the left wing, screw the globalist agenda. They're not 10 toes down. 
It's obvious. Steven Crowder can see it. I can see it. Helen Keller can see it. They're faking the funk. Anybody can see it. And, and I don't have, I hope, I don't have a problem with it. Just, just don't front. Don't pretend. You, what Crowder's arguing is, well, they just have come to Nashville, Tennessee, and they're going to set up Hollywood out here. They're going to attach everybody to the same contracts they attach them to out in Hollywood. They're going to make them a slave to big tech. That's Northern California. That's the alphabet mafia and that agenda. Make sure you don't say anything that really disrupts. They're going to go meet with Mark Zuckerberg in private and figure out how to stay on the good side of Facebook. They're going to take every phone call from YouTube and make sure, oh, is the coast clear? Can, can we, I know it's been a year, but can we now tell the truth about uh, the experimental COVID vaccine? They're not going to be front first on anything. They're not revolutionaries. They're not part, they're part of the uniparty is what Steven Crowder is arguing. And that's why he's blowing them up. Before we're going to take a small break and bring Royce White into the conversation, but I'm going to set the table for Royce White by playing you, uh, Royce, a good friend of Royce, Alex Jones. Alex Jones got 10 toes down. He has a take on Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire. I, can we really question what team Alex Jones is on? I, I don't think we can. He's paid an enormous price, what they, a trillion dollar judgment against him over, you know, over Sandy Hook. Here's what he had to say about the feud between the Daily Wire and Steven Crowder. I confirmed what I already knew was going on was going on, but I didn't want to go there until I checked if my analysis was correct. Uh, Crowder is as good as it gets, a real patriot American, and he loves the country and he's a really smart, reasonable guy. He left the blaze because he was like 80% of their money and he was almost being paid nothing. Uh, then when he went and interviewed with the people over at uh, ben Shapiro's operation, The Daily Wire, they sent him the contracts that said, we're gonna control everything you say, control whatever you do, and we'll withdraw your funds and you're tied in for five years no matter what, if you get censored by big tech, essentially making big tech his boss. And then he just criticized them on air without saying their names, so some of them attacked him, so he released recordings of them basically admitting that. And his issue was he didn't take the deal because he's not going to be shackled, but he's really concerned about them controlling the conservative movement with all the other people they've got locked in these contracts. Well, the lawyers and you know folks over there that are really smart, they made it all about Crowder not wanting $50 million when it was never about the money. And let me explain something. I know Crowder's bandwidth cost. I've had discussions with him and his crew uh, quite a few times. We're friends. I go up there quite a bit. He comes down here. I know our bandwidth cost. It's $10 million over five years. Okay, $10 million or $50 million uh, over, over five years. So that's only $10 million a year. Their bandwidth costs is in the millions of dollars a year. Their legal costs, their, their crew, all of that, 
I guarantee you under that deal, Steven Crowder would be paid about five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe. Because I know I pay the same type of bills. But but that's not the issue. He never made it about the money. In fact, the money offers went up when he started to balk. He said, no, 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 this is not about the money. It's about I'll be totally controlled by you arbitrarily if I go take this deal with you and bring all these people to you when we know Crowder was making Glenn Beck conservatively $50 million a year. So, of course, the folks at Daily Wire say, oh, you're leaving Glenn Beck because you're only getting a few million dollars a year and can't even pay your bills. That's the truth about Crowder. Giant audience should be making 50 million a year gross to be able to pay all the bills and all the rest of it. And I told Crowder, go to a direct sales model and leave all these people and then sell products so you make 50, 60% on it and be free of them. Sell water filters, sell vitamins. People want those. They don't want to buy it from Whole Foods. They don't want to buy it from Walgreens. They want to buy it from you. Uh, you know, sell gun accessories, sell, sell tactical gear, sell storable food. I said, I will tell you how to do the whole deal. And Crowder's like, well, I don't like to market stuff. I don't like to go push stuff. I just want to do my show. He does a lot of preparation. That guy works hard. And I'm like, okay, well, if you want your freedom, that's what you got to do. And, and you could be bigger than InfoWars ever was if you just go with the model of running your own operation. And then you could hire people and do what Daily Wire did, what I tried to do, but they came after us and attacked us and shut us down before we went to launch. I built all this to be 24 hours a day, have a bunch of hosts in here, and, and, and not control what they say as long as they're patriots. And, and we just never got to full launch here. You saw the, the system saw what we were doing. They gave them unlimited financing and they launched their thing to control the conservative movement, the, the, the Daily Wire. And so it was not about money and that is a deceptive thing they did. It was about the contract of, of him having no freedom and they had total control over him and if they could exercise the contract where he couldn't work for five years and they could pay the contract out as well. Those are called golden handcuffs. So I'm with Steven Crowder. We'll be right back, stay with us. I can't vouch for everything Glenn, uh, Alex Jones said there in terms of how much money he was generating for the Blaze. I do think the Blaze was playing Steven Crowder quite well. I don't think we need to be shedding tears for uh, Steven Crowder's finances. Everything else, though, I, Alex Jones hits it out of the park. It's a perception game. Oh, look at this conservative deal and, and Ben Shapiro, and that's the real opposition, and they're taking on the establishment. No, they're not. That's the uniparty. That's why. I, I know I'm upsetting somebody. Oh, can we all just hold hands and sing Kumbaya? We're all, we're all conservatives, and let's all hold hands. It's wartime, it's a spiritual war. I'm sorry, we're not all gonna get along. It's just, that's not the way this is going to play out. This is biblical. This is not political, it's biblical. We're not all gonna hold hands and sing Kumbaya over being a conservative. There will be those of us that are gonna stand on this Bible and we will sing Kumbaya. But that's not everybody. Everybody don't love Jesus. He's not everybody's savior. And so I'm not going to be, I'm not, I don't have animus towards them. I don't, I don't, but I'm not going to pretend like they're doing the same thing I'm doing. I'm not going to pretend like they're doing the same thing Alex Jones is doing. Or Steven Crowder, anybody 
who professes a love for Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's a different game. Stephen Crowder thinks it's all about money, 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 money for them. I think it's about being the preferred establishment. And, and, and this is where I, 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 who, what revolutionary who understands the informed male revolutionary, I'm taking women off the table, but just as a man, let's dial the clock back seven years. What man, real man, couldn't see like, whoa, where is this country going? These politicians have all sold us out. Who would ever be a never Trumper? What real man would ever be a never Trumper? And trust me, I'm talking about, I'm, there's friends of mine that I love to death that will be offended by me making this statement. I'm gonna say, oh, Whitlock sold his soul. Like, no, you ain't as free as me. I'm talking about some friends of mine that I love, like brothers. They don't understand, but I'm just, as a real man, because I used to confront them all and be like, uh, Trump, he's this, he's that. What has Trump said or done that you haven't said or done? Talk about my friends that I hung out, that I went to strip clubs with, that I chased tail with. What has Trump done or said that you haven't done? Get that fake S-H-I-T out of my face. And you can't see where they're taking this country, where the alphabet mafia and the LGBT have overtaken this whole thing. So I'm just, what real man would ever be never Trump? And then if you're a conservative, I'll take it to, how could you ever be never Trump? You can be uncomfortable with Trump, but never Trump and be leading a group uh, talking about I'll never support Donald Trump. That's not a revolutionary mindset. And we're in a revolutionary time. And that's why there's been a lot of things I've been, I don't hate Ben Shapiro. I don't hate the Daily Wire. I just don't think they're really down. And if they're not really down, they can't help us right now. I'm gonna shut up <clears throat> and bring in Royce White uh, into this conversation. Uh, we'll be back uh, with Royce White next. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV.
All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to Minneapolis. Bring in Royce White. Royce, uh, we just played a clip of Alex Jones where he basically takes the side of, of Steven Crowder in this feud with the Daily Wire. He, he, he says that the, the Daily Wire, he agrees with me that the Daily Wire is controlled opposition, uh, not really uh, part of any sort of legitimate, authentic revolution against the establishment. I completely agree with him. Uh, wanted your take on what you think is going on between Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire. Uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what's going on but between them, you know, internally, other than what both of them have stated. I, I spent a little bit of time watching Ben Shapiro's response to Steven Crowder on his channel. I spent time watching Steven Crowder on, on Tim Pool. And, um, you know, what I can make of it is exactly what I, I told you a few months back, that there's going to be a, a real genuine split in the conservative movement um, along the lines of people who really desire change or really desire to move the needle and those who are comfortable in, in the controlled opposition spot. Um, so I think that's what's going on right now, by and large. I would assume then you're on Team Crowder. You know, I, I'm on I'm on our team. <laughs> um, I, I don't I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching people. I'm very I'm very slow to jump on anybody's side um, when it comes to these issues. I think from a fundamental standpoint on the issues, uh, Crowder is much closer to a genuine America first uh, policy view and, and much more closer to the MAGA movement and, and, and a real anti-establishment movement. Um, but, but I'm not, I'm not taking any side. So I think that he has, his tactics look shady from afar, but I don't think he had a choice. He wanted to go to war with the Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, and uh, ben Shapiro, if he goes at them directly, like say the way Kanye West went after the elements of Hollywood that he felt like were locking people into bad contracts and controlling things in Hollywood, J.P. Morgan Chase cuts his money off and he gets branded anti-Semite and uh, his reputation and career is over. I, I, I see Steven Crowder more cleverly forcing the same conversation that Dave Chappelle has been trying to force. And you gotta remember, Steven Crowder is a very accomplished comedian. And so he, he sees the same, the cancel culture and everything that's yeah. been impacting Dave Chappelle and other comedians, he sees it the exact same way as Chappelle. But I, I, I see Crowder more cleverly executing what Kanye West was trying to do. Yes and no. I mean, um, I think what Kanye West Don't did dance, was, Royce. Come on now. <laughs> I, I, I look, I think what Kanye West did was was too playful for the seriousness and gravity of the situation, especially regarding the matter that he was speaking on. And I'm not I'm not of this thinking that, you know, uh, well, I'm a blunt force object. I'm a sledgehammer. I knock down the wall and everybody else comes through. Uh, it, it shows a lack of individual fortitude, seriousness, and faith when you do it that way. Just speak the truth and, 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 and believe that God will sort everything else out. Um, Crowder, Crowder's doing a better job than that. 
Um, but but still, I don't I don't personally like when people dance. I think, you know, they're dancing. Dave Chappelle danced a little bit and, you know, Crowder's dancing a little bit. And, and Kanye just, you know, he tried to dance and then he tripped, you know, catast- you know, as it was a catastrophe on his end. Um, but but I like to go straight down the middle. And I think we've done that on the show. I think I've continued to do that whenever this conversation about blacks and Jews and cancel culture and all of these things come up. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, and here, here's here's what the real the real dividing line is in the conservative movement. Much of the conservative movement would like to fancy themselves anti-establishment, would like to fancy themselves anti-globalist, would like to fancy themselves anti-big tech and censorship and uh, you know all these other things until they get right up to the conversation about Israel. That's the reality. And I'm pro-Israel. And when we talked, I said that, you know, BB Netanyahu's interview with Jordan Peterson on the Daily Wire made me think differently about Israel from a fundamental standpoint, the legitimacy, the inception of the legitimacy and and the the entire history of Israel. Not that I trust Bibi Netanyahu, because I don't. Number one, he's a trained assassin and killer, so you can't trust him. And he's he's a professional liar. The the man's secrets have secrets. Um, so, So you can't trust him. But what he said made me question my own thinking about what makes a nation legitimate. And and as I was watching it, I, I was sorting it through and I arrived at this. Israel was definitely given a land from the crown. That's just a historical fact. Who was on that land at the time? Up for debate. Many people have been to that land. Many people have conquered that land and kicked other people off of that land. We know that history. Going all the way back to the Jewish and Roman Revolution. Um, but after Br- Great Britain gave the Jews that land... They fought a war for that land, okay? They fought a war against three different Muslim nations. I think it was Syria, uh, Egypt, and and uh, Jordan and, and during the Yom Kippur War. And so to me, regardless of the crown's motivation to put the the state of Israel where they put it, when they put it, and wh- you know why they put it there, um, the Jews were, were left to fight a war against enemies on three fronts, and they won that war. So if, if you if you go to a new place and you fight a war for a piece of land and you come out victorious, you you have a right to to claim that land. Um, and, and so I think that's something that we have to acknowledge in the present. Now, if we go before the Yom Kippur War, I have a totally different take. And, and you know, people don't like nuance. So I guess may, may not be interested in that. But but um, yeah, the Yom Kippur War to me signifies signifies uh, the the legitimacy of Israel as a state because they fought a war for their land and they won that war. The inception of Israel is and was exactly what the globalist agenda is still using Israel as. And and I pray every day that the Jews in Israel wake up and shake off the, the motivation of the globalists that use Israel in the way that they use it and the Jewish people. But But we'll see. That's for them to decide. Explain, clarify that. How do they use Israel? What do you mean by that? Well, they use Israel. Israel is the, the linchpin of the whole deal. Israel, Israel was the first act of the United Nations. It was the first concrete geopolitical foreign policy act of the United Nations. And, and Israel is used as a bludgeon um, to, to justify globalism. It's used as an anti-nationalist symbol that any country that that 
that gravitates toward nationalist policy is on its way to becoming the the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever Reich. Uh, uh, you know, anybody who's a nationalist is is automatically associated with Nazis, um, and so that that's the way where the national identity for every country that has opted into the post World War II democratic liberal order um, is is bullied around by guilt. Um, and so, you know, is in is look. Israel and its people fought a war that does not change the impetus from the crown to put Israel there or the conservative movement in America's impetus to shill or to 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 have this sort of blind uh, support of Israel. Right. I mean, look, we we everybody likes to tell this story like we went into World War Two to save the Jews. That's a lie. We didn't go to World War Two to save the Jews. The, many Jews had already been slaughtered. And in fact, a bunch of Jews went to Roosevelt uh, and asked them to bomb the the the, the rail lines that they knew were transporting Jews back and forth to the camps. And Roosevelt told them, no, that's on the record. That's not that's not redacted or, or you know, blackout information. This is public information. They asked him to bomb the rail lines. He didn't do it. So we did not go to world into World War Two to save the Jews. That's a lie. Secondly, our motivation in Israel is not the sovereignty of the Jewish people or the protection of the Jewish people. That's a lie. The military industrial complex has and still is heavily invested in that area of the world. And at the time when the crown gave them that land, it just so happens that there was a huge energy boom that was going to happen after industrial revolution around oil. And all the oil was coming from the Middle East. And they put their own outpost there. And the Jewish people allowed themselves to be used in that way. And they've played a relationship of, you know, of 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 equal um, of e- equal reciprocity with the West and with the crown uh, along those lines. But the Jews don't trust the crown and the crown doesn't trust 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 the Jews. They don't trust Israel. So that's the reality. Royce, earlier today when we were talking, you made a point that you are expecting you see clues that Israel is going to pivot on the vaccine and that's going to be important. Elaborate, explain that point. Well, I have many I have many friends that that are, you know, friends and family that are Jews um, that have family in Israel that have uh, family or, or, you know, connections to government there. And I'm just hearing murmurs that um, there are people high up in the Israeli government since Bibi Netanyahu has taken back over. Um, that don't feel the same way about the vaccine or the vaccine narrative that their predecessors felt um, and that that they may go public with that. Now, we'll see. We'll see if the powers that be around the interests of the narrative and Israel um, suppress that, you know, that 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 momentum with whoever those people are. Um, but it's my opinion that you'll see Israel take a drastic turn on their their public stance towards the vaccine, certainly vaccine mandates, but the vaccines themselves uh, in the weeks or months to come. So my overall point, Royce, is that going back to just the Daily Wire aspect of this mm-hmm. is that the Daily Wire in Steven Crowder's mind and in mine, it, it's not an America first media outlet. 
It's mm -hmm. riding that wave. It's riding the momentum and it's gaining subscribers by looking like they're down for the revolution and they're down for, uh, you know, the America First movement. And they want to, you know, from a distance, ride the same MAGA wave as, as, as Donald Trump. And, and they're not, they're just pretending and posturing. And Steven Crowder, I don't think, felt comfortable saying that because anytime you suggest that an American Jewish person, uh, part of their thinking is about, well, how's this impact Israel? And are they a bit more concerned with Israel than American interests and American sensibilities? You're immediately called an anti-Semite. And, yeah. and again, that's part of my problem with Ben Shapiro as it relates to the way the whole Kanye West thing was unpacked and like Kanye West isn't allowed to defend himself. He can't be platformed. Candace Owens can't interview him because, you know, he's outside. I find that un-American. Everybody gets a voice here, whether we like it or not, whether we like what they're saying or not. Uh, and so that's my problem with the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro. And, and, and it, it just bothers me that any time, and it's no different than when someone wants to say, hey, uh, black people need to restore their families uh, and, and fathers in the home and marriage to fix their problems. That's, that's not anti-black rhetoric, that, that's facts and truth. And to sit here and to not be able to say that, hey, there's some Jewish people with a lot of power here in America that seem to prioritize what's going on in Israel over what's our traditions, our culture, our constitution, that's not anti-Semitic, that's, that's just a fact, it's just an opinion that should be allowed to be expressed here in America. Absolutely. It should be, you know, should be, be allowed to be expressed. But there are those who wouldn't even allow for me or you or Bryson to talk about black people. I mean, every every angle of the conversation is being roped off to to preserve a corrupt status quo. Um, and, and the Israel question or the Jewish question, um, the conversation about Jews is is completely roped off on all sides. But but I said this before and, and I want to reiterate this today. Um, because I think the nuance the, the nuance does matter. The Jews play a very special role historically in the underpinning of our current financial system writ large. The entire international banking, which I call a banking cartel, and that's not specifically related to, related to the Jews being involved. That's just how they operate. And there's many people involved in that cartel of many different nationalities and faiths, anti-faiths, so on and so forth. Um, but historically speaking, the Jews play a very, very unique role in the way our entire financial system is set up on a world stage. And so after the post-World War II democratic liberal order was established, all of the nations who opted into this financial system, the Bretton Woods Conference, you know, the, that entire World Bank, IMF, uh, sort of global, global institution, everybody who opted in has a vested interest in Israel and has a vested interest in, in the, uh, the power of, of certain Jewish elites. Um, so they're all running cover. You know, it's the Saudis, too. I mean, you know, the, the whole narrative is is way, way off of the mark, to say the least, uh, around Israel and, and the Jews. But, you know, I, I think 
Uh, we talk about black people all the time. We should be able to talk about black people. We should be able to talk about Jews. We should be able to talk about white people. We're comfortable with that. We should be able to talk about Asian people. We should be able to talk about Arabs. We talk about whoever we need to talk about as long as it's trying to find the truth and it's done in good faith. Nobody that I hear ha having this conversation is trying to green light any harm or violence at random against any Jewish person. That's just that's just lunacy. That's just being a psychopath and, and a, you know, a degenerate, crazy, demonic person. Um, and I think Ben Shapiro, by and large, takes a stance where anybody who speaks about Israel in a way that has any real criticism um, is anti is anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish or anti-Israel. And it's just not true. I'm pro-America. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit here on 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 television or in any conversation and act like there aren't serious, serious issues with America, American policy, American politicians, American businessmen, you know, uh, uh, American families, uh, American culture. That's just not honest. Um, and, and when you talk about Israel or the Jews, uh, people like Ben Shapiro and the, the establishment overall, they throw up a, a red uh, stop sign quick. Bryson, anything you want to add before we let Royce go? Or? Well, the, the only thing I want to bring up when y'all talking about, like, when you talk about Kanye not being allowed on the platform, the most odd thing about that is Pierce Morgan even had Kanye on. Think about that. Pierce Morgan, after everything, allowed Kanye on his platform, and Ben Shapiro said, nope, he can't come on mine. That's crazy. When you put that in, like, the proper perspective, it's like, what is happening to conservatism but that's all i wanted to say well and, Royce, and, and uh, oh go ahead again, Royce. again i'll say it the there is a vested interest in the conservative movement the neocon movement to rope off the conversation about israel writ large that's the reality and you know who else is shaky on this question ron DeSantis. let's be clear about that as well he's real wishy-washy and, and that he never really talks about it. But when he does, he takes the traditional neocon position. And I'll go a step further. Donald Trump and I don't agree on this issue. That's the truth. And the Donald Trump faction from within that split from the more MAGA America first faction was split along this line in many respects. The globalist faction within Donald Trump's camp versus the America first nationalist faction within Donald Trump camp, Donald Trump's camp was split along this line. Jared Kushner, say it. I mean, can we say Jared Kushner's name? Is, is he Jewish or, or is he not? I'm black. I'm, I'm black, Mexican and Norwegian, but that's that's the truth. Jared Kushner's a Jew and he was very pro-Israel and he and he just so happens to be very pro-globalist. And I want to I want to offer a, a, a olive branch so people don't think that I'm trying to target the Jews in any unfair way. The Jews have a natural reason to gravitate towards a globalist mentality, a globalist mindset. They historically were cast into into the diaspora and they have lived without a nation for 2000 years and until until about 40 years ago, until about yesterday. Uh, so they 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 developed a cultural mechanism to live in a global way, in a traveling way, in a, in a way that never really has a settled homeland. 
Now, what you see is another group of people who have this metropolitan, technocratic, scientific, borderless mentality and, and idea for the future. Like Klaus Schwab said, the metaverse, a, a true a true world with no borders. They love using the Jews. They that That's their bread and butter because the two narratives sync up perfect. Which is why the Star Tribune mm. and the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these other mainstream media institutions will say, when you say globalism, you really mean anti you really mean anti-Jew. It's a dog whistle for anti-Semitism. That's what they're drawing on right there. But it's not, it's it's really not. It's that the globalists love to use the Jews. Now, I'll say this in closing as well, Jason. I like to say that Steve Steve Bannon is, and I told you this on the phone. I think Steve Bannon is the furthest right of the centrists, and he'll tell you he's a you know he's, he traditionally grew up in a more Democrat liberal neighborhood in, in North Virginia, uh, so so he's a neighborhood Irish guy. He's a blue collar, tra- more traditional uh, or classical liberal, but he's a Catholic, right? So that gives you more of a conservative lean. Um, I'm out there in the middle of the far right. I would say that I'm far right, genuine far right, further than Steve and Donald Trump for sure. To the left of me is probably Alex. To the right of me is like Nick Fuentes and that whole crew. The Nick Fuentes crew that's further out there on the right than me, they've made too much about this. They they are unwilling to look at the greater totality of circumstance around how the Jewish people have been used in this globalist narrative. And in that, they fumble all over themselves, which is part of what Kanye West did. And it's not by accident that he was palling around with Milo and Nick Fuentes. They're just they're just not anchored enough to have a, a centered, grounded conversation about the historical facts of the Jewish people, of the, the Judeo-Christian faith and tradition, um, how things went in Israel and Rome, the fall of the empire. They're not willing to have a grounded conversation about these things because on that far right out there next to me, they're Darwinists. They don't believe in God either. They're, you know, you got two anti-God movements just jockeying for position. And we in the middle, or we who are sane and reasonable and free, we want to look to one and get get a cue like, which who should we roll with? Neither. Neither. Don't roll with the Noah Yuval Hararis. Don't roll with the Nick Fuentes. Neither one of them believe in God. I am Nick Fuentes' friend, and I will say he does believe in God. <laughs> Nick Fuentes is my boy. Like, really, we, we hang out and everything. Uh, well, he does believe well, in God. Well, and I mean... Well, no, no. Hold, hold for a second, Royce. Hold for a second. Stop. Hold for a second. N- Unpack that a little bit more. Uh, I so, will. So sure. Okay. No, no, no. I want to hear. I want to hear a little bit about his Nick Fuentes <laughs> friendship. <laughs> so, so, and so it's not that I, I don't know really yeah. anything about Nick Fuentes. I've seen a couple of videos. Yeah. Seems like a psyop to me. But anyway, go ahead. Nah, he came to my cookout and everything. It was, he was in a few of my music videos. Like that's my that's my homie, homie. Yeah. Uh, the thing about it Does is, does he like black people? I mean, that's, that's my homie. We, we like hang out a lot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We actually rode through the hood uh, when I was in Chicago. But uh, the thing about it is, I've had a conversation about the Jewish thing uh, about, with him because a lot of things are inaccurate because it, d- it does sort of seem like that, when you get that far right, it does sort of seem like they, it's like just totally anti Jew. 
You know what I'm saying? And it, but it's based, it's, it's like what Ye did. It's like, it's based in truth, but you take it to a point where it's like, gets irrational. You know what I'm saying? So, and I try to separate, they don't even like to separate secular Jews from religious Jews, which, which you have to. Like, you, you, you can't have a conversation about Jewish people without separating those people, because they're two different sects. I, I, if you watch my conversation that I had on my YouTube with an Orthodox rabbi, he told you they view these secular Jewish people as enemies of God. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think a lot of people, uh, like Nick and, and Ye understands that distinction right there, which is the issue. But nah, Nick, 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 he believes everything he's saying, and he's super, he's super intelligent, and he's super young too. No, yeah. and, and now go uh, ahead. Allow me, allow me to retort. <laughs> um, a few things. One, um, I would actually agree with the overall ethos on the further right than myself about the general anti-God nature of the entire Jewish cultural circumstance. Because on one end, you have the anti-Jew, technocratic, metropolitan, omnisexuals like Noah, Yuval Harari. But on the opposite end, you have the black hats who delegitimize Christ. So they're, they're kind of delegitimizing God in both directions. On one end, it's backwards to the establishment of the covenant with Abraham and in the, in the, in the, present in the future, it's the revelation of Christ. So th there is some merit to what they say in that in that regard. Um, I always say an Abrahamic brother's Abrahamic brother, we can sort the rest out when we beat the Satanists. Um, but, but let me be clear about Nick Fuentes and many other people this goes for. You can say you believe in God, but what do your actions say? What, what do your actions reveal? And, and, and even, what do your words reveal? Because for me, on that side of, of the right wing, you got a bunch of Darwinists, and they want to say that you can, you can have this intelligent design evolutionary theory and still believe in God. Stop it. Cut it out. The establishment, the same neoliberal, authoritarian, globalist, anti-human establishment that they love to criticize, instituted the evolutionary theory into our public schools intentionally to delegitimize God. So the race superiority, the, the race superiority guys who want to give credence to Darwin in one respect, but not acknowledge how much it's delegitimized God in our modern culture. In another respect, I have great, great skepticism towards. And Nick Fuentes is one of them and many others on that side of things. And I do think Nick Fuentes is really smart. And I do think he's very talented, one of the most talented orders of, of his generation, for sure. But maybe all across the, the charts right now and, 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 you know, broadcasting, he's very talented. But I don't think he's ever really been in a fist fight. And there's something to be said for people who have never been in a fist fight. You know what I mean? I mean, and I'm serious. You know, there are no, people I'm, who talk. I'm laughing because I feel you. There are. I'm saying and I'm you know laughing because I feel it's, you, bro. It's the same thing that could be said about Ben Shapiro, right? I wish, a, I wish a trans man with a wig would grab me by my neck on national television. And, 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 and this, this goes back to and, and, uh, what I'm saying is, Jason, and please bear with me. When you get to talk in a vacuum, no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, when you, when you operate in a way where there's no real threat of physical violence or consequence for the things you say, that does tend to skew and distort the way that you think. Because the way that we talk starts to backwards formulate the way that we actually think. Um, and, and, I, and I meant to say this the other day when we talked about, about Shannon Sharp, and, and this correlates to that. 
I think what he that that apology was grotesque. I mean, so what if you get in an altercation at a at a game at a at a barbaric you know gladiator simulator game with a with an athlete or whatever? So what if you get into a barking match? It wasn't even a physical altercation. We've become so soft, and on the conservative side, we like to talk like, "Oh, we're Christian, and because we're Christian, we shouldn't be advocating for fights." You know what happens in the absence of fist fights in black neighborhoods? Automatic gunfire. I know because I came from the neighborhood. There was a time when you could actually have a fist fight, go home, come back the next day, and that person might actually end up being one of your best friends because there's a respect that comes from that physical altercation. Now, you can't even take an insult without going to get your gun and shooting somebody or a bunch of people or the wrong people. These are the elements of, 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 of our society and our culture that have gone way off base. And the Nick Fuentes and Ben Shapiro's are a great example of that. They want to talk. They want to say all these things. But when push comes to shove, they're not ready. And here's the other thing. They don't want to revolt. Nick Fuentes plays the rah-rah game. What would happen in a real revolution? Where would Nick find himself when the real revolution starts? You think he'd be on the front line? I think I think he'll be in the field. Now, the the, the Darwin theory you, you just okay. created is is interesting, and, and because because what Russ was referring to is uh, people like on the Fuentes side, they believe in something called race realism. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a deep theory. They think a lot of things is based on race and, and things of that Preach. nature. And uh, that that's sounds part. like racism, no? No. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> race it's, realism. Not, racism. It's, 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 it's really not because I, I feel like racist people that just don't like black people. You know what well. I'm saying? Nick obviously likes black people. I mean, like he's literally working for a a a black a black man that he's a fan of, and he'll ride with Kanye to the wheels fall off. Like I'll criticize Kanye on some stuff. Um, so uh, Nick Quintez is like literally, if you meet Nick Quintez, you're like this might be the least racist person, least racist person in history. Like if you meet him, I promise you, um, I can get him on the show if you need to. But uh, so Nick Nick Quintez is actually uh, I think I think he's a good guy. But they do believe in race realism, which is they believe there's a difference in races and things. That, and basically, they believe races are a different. A person who believes that empirical evidence exists to support the notion of inborn racial differences. Yes. Sometimes used euphemistically to justify racism. Sometimes because a lot of Wignats. Now, Wignats, are, they actually are pagans. Uh, Wignats are people that are actually real-life, you know, Wignats. They're white nationalists, like actual white nationalists. And they most of them are actually pagans, so they really don't believe in God. <laughs> but Nick is Catholic. Uh, but that, that Darwin theory, like... That that can play the race realism thing could play a part of the Darwin Darwin theory. I would actually that's actually interesting. I do want to look into that. Um, but Nick was there. Nick, Nick was there in D.C. Nick was in the, we was in the field. Nick was there. You know what I'm saying? You know now the absence of a fist fight. You can't tell when somebody never been in a fist fight before. <laughs> that's why I laughed when you said it because that's the person that got suspended from school every two weeks for fighting. Uh, I, I really do understand that there is a clear difference, but. What I will say is Nick was there. He was pretty much he was on the front lines of DC. Front lines, DC win what? Uh, I mean, I don't want to say certain dates, you know, on your show. I don't know how. January six. Oh I yeah, J six. Oh yes, sir. You know the J sixes. We was in the building. My boy, my, my boy Nick was out there. You know what I'm saying in the field. Now no, when, see, when but, it got but, dark, but, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Ahead, can we Roy. be clear? Can can we be clear? The Black Lives okay. Matter. The Black Lives Matter protests that broke out after George Floyd weren't revolutionary. The January 6th protests at the Capitol weren't revolutionary. And I'm not going to let the mainstream establishment paint in any in any way, paint those 
protests like they were actual revolutionary acts. They weren't. They were they were a sign of real light demonstration that turned a little wild at the end. That's the truth of it. Um, I meant the real revolution, like a real revolt. Like it's time to so, go. So, so if you've I, never I, been I, in a fist fight, now you might you might jump out there off the porch in in the moment. But if you ne- who who's following you? If you've never been in a fish, fist fight and you don't understand the real co- physical consequences of your actions, who in their right mind would follow you? I'll tell you who. A bunch of other pagans on the right who get themselves rah rah up based on <laughs> rhetoric. That's who would follow you. So, and they'd follow you right into so, a bullet. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with the January 6th things. I think the notion that it wasn't revolutionary, don't get me wrong, it, I think it had potential of being revolutionary because it felt revolutionary in the moment. And I think a lot of people weren't there. So I feel like people that, 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 that weren't there, you don't, people don't understand the context of everything because the context of it is the million Magamars that led up. And it was, it was going down. So basically, if people don't understand, during, during these marches, at nighttime, the police would pretty much pit Antifa and MAGA in a box. And we couldn't leave. <laughs> Nobody could leave. Nobody else could come in. It was a box. Streets were for like a six, eight to eight block radius. Was, we were all closed in together. I watched people get stabbed. You know what I'm saying? I watched real life fights break out. It felt like the purge. So when people say like this wasn't like real, no, this 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 stuff was really going down out there. You know what I'm saying? And I was out there at nighttime. Now a lot of influencers did go back to their hotels before like it got dark. You know what I'm I will say that. But I was in this, I was in the field. And um, nah, it really felt like a revolution. J6 felt like a revolution. But everybody got uh, everybody got tricked out of that when all the mainstream conservatives came and condemned everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On Twitter. Yeah. Like, we actually left January 6th feeling like we, we doing something. We get to our hotel rooms, get on Twitter. Everybody like, we condemn everything that happened. All the people that selling the 1776 merch, all the people that was saying fight back, they all condemned us. So he is right that it ended up being like, I mean, necessarily, it ended up being useless in that sense because nothing came from it. So I agree in that sense, but it was Bison, meant to are, be that. Are you arguing that people went there for an insurrection? No. Oh no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm just saying fights happen. Like people got you, but you so much using the word revolutionary. Yeah, it makes it sound like y'all were there to kick off a revolution. Yeah, but not by see a revolution doesn't mean it has to be an insurrection. What I mean by revolution is really making our voices heard and really actually standing up for what we believe in. Because when you when you talk about the, the actual insurrection, the police let people in, right, <laughs> and, and, and showed them right. around as if they were on tour. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, here, please, please don't touch this specific thing in this area. And the dude was like, okay, we won't touch it. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that aspect. I'm talking about being out there in front of the Capitol. We actually sang the, uh, we actually sang the national anthem. We all, like, had it covered. It was the most beautiful moment of my life, bro. And everybody sang the national anthem. We felt like he was in a football stadium. Man, it was the most beautiful moment of our life. We sang that thing, man. It was, ah, I miss those days. Huh. It, it, I'm going to be honest with you. As an older guy. What you're describing is how I felt at the Million Man March oh. in 94 or whatever year that was. That's how I felt. It's one of the great feelings. Yes. Mo- anyway, Royce, go ahead. Um, no, when, when I say revolution, like, I, I, I appreciated what the January 6th protesters did. I, I, I appreciate the, the overall um, motivation. Um, I think if, if we believe that elections are stolen, uh, and this is something that that Ben Shapiro in the Daily Wire would definitely shill shill against. But I, I believe that if we think elections are stolen, we should be active 365 days a year on on behalf of that. 
on behalf of our elections being secure. And I'd love to come on another day and talk about election integrity specifically. But um, I appreciate that. I even appreciate um, the, the impetus of the BLM protesters to get out there. And I was out there with some of them and all of them don't understand the overall liberal ethos or the history. And that's been intentionally skewed in their mind by Marxist professors. But there is a there is a gripe with the with the establishment in the system. And there is a reason to, to be ready to uh, demonstrate and, and make your voice heard. But when I when I say a revolt, I mean like a tax revolt. Like stop paying your taxes and watch how the federal government acts then. And then let's see who's really ready. Then let's see who's really ready when they want to send the National Guard out because whole pockets of people have decided we're no longer going to pay taxes to a globalist establishment. See, a lot of people that went there on January 6th with all due respect to them and, and their willingness to act, a lot of them pay into the system the exact same way that the liberals do. Who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? It's the same thing I said yesterday. In on it. The, 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 the reason, and here's what I'm saying, Bryson, and, and you, you may have seen this out, out there yourself. The reason why they can do a documentary, a hit piece on January 6th and show all of these people who have this disproportionate rhetoric out there that sounds actually kind of psychotic, you know, and, and real, really crazy. I mean, there were some crazy, there's some crazies everywhere. I don't care what protest you had. You can find some crazy. But the reason why the, 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 the motivation or, or the, the presentation of some of the January 6th protesters is so out of the, out of the box is because they know they paid into the system. That regret, that, that, that realization that they're a part of the problem makes their response distorted because what they should have been ready to do, what y'all should have been ready to do, sit in for 60 days. Okay, it's 90 days now. Okay, it's 365 days now. Okay, it's 720 days now. That would be a Christian thing. Remember how to remember the, the walls of Jericho? Remember the walls of Jericho? Remember the yes, march sir. of Jericho? Yes. We're going to march until yes, the walls sir. come down. We're not yes, going to let some CIA I, I, spooks. I we're not going to let some CIA spooks play on our angst and get us riled up and say, we got to go right now. No, we're not going to do that because we're here with God. When God's ready, the walls will fall. That's real leadership. That's what Nick Fuentes ain't ready for. That's my point about I, I, leadership. I, 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 I do agree that it should have been more than what happened because it turned into something that could have turned into something beautiful. It ended up being just a one-off thing and everybody got scared. Uh, you know, when FBI started visiting everybody's houses, everybody got spooked. Uh, we no these people don't even go back to any rallies no more. They're like, oh, we done. You know, so no, nobody's ready to do sit-ins or nobody. A, a lot of people truly aren't ready to actually, you know, do what needs to be done. Like long term, we here until something happens. Because um, a lot of people scared, scared, scared of them consequences, man. So I do agree with that. Uh, it it could have been something beautiful, but it ended up being just some one-off thing that the media now uses to attack everybody and pit people in prison. Uh, free all the Jan Sixers, though. I do want to. Which end on yeah, that free, free with all that. the January, free all the January Six protesters. And I'll say in, in in closing, that may have been the entire point of the January Six protest from the from the jump. Maybe you didn't know it. Maybe Nick Fuentes didn't know it. Maybe he did. He seems a little spooky to me, but maybe a bunch of people out there didn't know it. You know, uh, Babbitt probably didn't know it, but there's some people who knew. 
There's some people who knew and they and, and they work together and they work together every day in those halls in D.C. and in places and back rooms that are very dark, very quiet and very roped off from any communication to the outside world. We know who we're talking about. CIA, DOD, NSA. The list goes on. This that might have been the whole point was to disincentivize the conservative movement from taking real physical action in the streets. Have we seen it since? Why? No, what's changed? Have, I mean, I, I don't, what, what's changed? I mean, what? Everybody's scared. Of, everybody's scared of another January sixth. I there mean, the FBI did use scare tactics. There you go. When the FBI came, when the FBI, when the FBI came to visit me, they said, uh, "Just, just make sure you're not out back out in D.C. anymore." Now, me, I'm a little different. So that made me be like, "I can't wait to pop back out in D.C." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, 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 but for most people, they're like, "I mean, look, I mean, we can see it. Nothing has happened even close to that since." I All mean, I'm I, I was just at the bars for life. All I'm saying. You know, I mean. I don't know if it was that was the reason, but I mean, his uh, Royce result is correct. Nobody has been back outside yet, boy. People are saying people say we done on this side. <laughs> Thank you, Royce. Great job as always. Uh, you can email us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. We're not done with this conversation. TJ Moe, next. Uh, let's roll out St. Louis, bring in T.J. Moe. Uh, T.J., I think, is going to have, based off conversations T.J. and I had uh, earlier today, maybe last night, I can't remember, he's going to have a little bit of a different take on this Steven Crowder Daily Wire situation. Before we get to T.J., I want to play uh, some of the clips from uh, Steven Crowder appearing on Tim Pool uh, last night. I think he, here's... Uh, I think Crowder talking about the pay-for-play model that he feels like a lot of people in conservative media and just in the media in general are using as it relates to big tech. Um, But there's a big difference. We know that there's a huge problem in our industry of pay-to-play. Now, you can do that. That's fine. If you want to grow your numbers, but what, the, what, what is that? What is so that, pay to play mean? means that you can buy views, right? You can pay to play. You can run your video as a pre-roll ad, and people see mm-hmm. that number. But really, a lot of them are 14-second views, eight-second views, but it still clicks that counter. The closest apples to apples comparison that you could do right now is you could go out and take, like, let's say, not this controversy because there's cross-pollination, but Ben Shapiro's a huge show, of course he is. But go take some videos there right now that have a million plays. Go month after month. Take a bunch of them. Look at the likes. Look at the comments. Take videos from my channel. It's a comparable place. Take them with 800,000, 600,000 plays because we've converted them a lot to Rumble. Look at the likes, look at the comments. It's startling because it's a lot easier to buy plays than it is to buy likes and comments. That's not a problem. Wait, are you saying that the Daily Wire is buying views for their content? I'm saying that they run the videos. This happens not just Daily Wire, to be clear. Stop Big Con is designed because it's this entire industry. And what happens is, yes, these views get inflated. There's nothing wrong with running ads to increase the video count. The problem is this. When, you, when that is used to then go out and set sponsorship rates, and then this is what happens with creators. When you sit down with sponsors, and these are hard-earned dollars, right? A lot of them are mid-sized companies. You run them on this show, and they say, yeah, but you know what? We didn't get our money's worth, and this person is the number one show because they go out and they say that they have these numbers, and they set the, what happens? They drop those rates across the board, which hurts everybody, or they pull out altogether. Now, you can publicly verify that that information. Now, I could tell you guys that I've had conversations with sponsors that say, 
we're not going to be running in the conservative space because it's just not as effective as we thought it was, or you know what, we're going to be pulling out. And content creators will say, why am I getting these low advertising rates? Here's the issue. If you're some kid, and by kid, I mean, you know, you could be a 40-year-old with a smaller podcast. Let's say you get a quarter million plays. Not as big, but good numbers. Let's say you get half a million plays, right? Good numbers, but they're real. And you are a conservative, and you're trying to grow this. And then all of a sudden, your content, YouTube is saying, can't say that, can't do that because of the box that's being created by all of these companies in big conservatism. And then you're trying to make it, right? You're trying to make it something that is financially solvent. And you can't because sponsors no longer have faith in this side of the industry. That is something that hurts those creators. And this is something that, so the creators are hurt, the sponsors are hurt, the viewers are hurt because I just want to finish this one. And then any questions you have, the viewers are hurt because they feel isolated. They feel like their views are not represented, right? They go, hold on a second, I'm conservative. Why are none of the top people saying whatever it is? X, Y, Z. And the investors are hurt. And I don't mean billionaires. In our case, it's people who invest. When they sign up for Mug Club, they are paying us because they say, we know that you're demonetized. We know that you don't run nearly as many sponsors. You're very selective. And we think we are giving you our dollar in faith because we think that you are fighting for us. Mm. thought that was a very interesting fascinating point he made that again he he's making everybody engage in a conversation that they normally would not give me some inside baseball that is necessary so you people can fully understand what big tech is doing and how they're perverting the conversation and how some people are playing the game with him and he doesn't want to do it anymore here's Crowder talking about uh, the 50 million dollar contract he was offered. So when we, yeah. when we first were watching the show and we talked about it, I said, what's the fee? We don't know. And then the Daily Wire's response, of course, was we offered this guy $50 million. Basketball money. Basketball money. The response then from detractors and most people was, holy crap. And they're imagining Steven Crowder in a big private bank vault diving into a bunch Scrooge of gold McDuck. coins. McDuck. <laughs> when in reality... The $50 million included the entire budget for your whole staff, your whole production facility, every production you would have done, meaning you've got to pay, how many employees do you have? About 25, soon to be 30-something. Soon to be 30-something. Now, if you want to do production on a skit, we're talking maybe 30 to 50K, depending on the size of the skit. Yeah. Every time I show up to do a change, my mind is $50,000. 50, yeah. Millions in legal each year. Work. Millions, millions of dollars in equipment, po- payroll, uh, millions of dollars in taxes. It's the, merging, it's the merging of... What was that? It's theft. Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> but let, me, yes. Let, me, let me just say... Wheelhouse. I'm, I'm on your side on this one. Uh, everybody can know my bias. The reason that yeah. really bothered me is because I run a company. I know how much money we make. And there are people who yeah. assume that revenue equals money in your pocket profit. And it's like, no, 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 no. If they're giving them $50 million, it sounds so wonderful. They're assuming you. you're dumb. They're, they're treating the audience like they're dumb. Again, well, no, I no, no. Think, a lot of people don't no, but, no, but here's don't understand the thing. this. People don't understand because they're assuming that you won't go and do research. Look, $50 million basketball money versus $12 million. If, if uh, let's say Marvel says, I don't know, the new Thor movie is $200 million. Is that Hemsworth's salary? It's that simple of an analogy. Yeah. But the issue here, and I'll let Gerald kind of talk about that more. The, the issue here is like, I think that these people at Daily Wire, they've said that they're very business savvy. They're running a business. So are they very business savvy? Um, and no, are they dumb and don't know that $12.5 million a year for an entire production house is what we're actually looking at? Or are they lying? Another great question, great thought. Here, this next clip, I feel like he's uh, dancing, and dancing and it has a negative connotation, but he's subtly referring to 
what the real agenda is. Money, 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 money. And it, it's, trust me, if he, if he didn't go about it the way that he did, everybody today would be screaming, he's an anti-Semite, he's an anti-Semite. But he's actually just a clever, skilled debater who has baited them into a war that he wanted to have. But here's Crowder talking about him not being motivated by money. But this is the thing, the dialogue I've, I've, shifted to money, 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 money. You but, heard me say this is wrong, and then it's money, 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 just a right. business. And then it's this is wrong. Money, 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 this is just a business. Look, it's not just a business. And by the way, when you're talking about business, find out what motivates the people you're in business with. I'm not motivated by money. That's not what motivates me. If you look back at the track record in 2009, I, it was because I wanted to see the system burn, meaning as far as the system that kept conservatives in line. And I mean the liberal system, but then when you realize that it's on your own side, not motivated by money, and by the way, don't leave someone, don't leave someone with nothing to lose. You know the easiest situation is take the money, shut up. Second easiest is go bet on yourselves. You've seen the numbers that we've given you there. And guess what? You make more money, you shut up. The, the, the option of say no and say, look, this is wrong and speak out is significantly harder than any of the other paths. Before we get to TJ, I want to play one more clip. Crowder talking about Ben Shapiro. I will say this. The only thing I've said about Ben is Ben is brilliant. He's one of the smartest people I've ever known. I don't care what he says, okay? I still hope the best for the guy. And by the way, for people out there, and I know that they're anti-Semitic people, I've not said there's none of this controlled opposition. I 100% believe that Ben believes what he says, even if we disagree. None of that is taking place. The problem is when you demand that other people fall into line. But so we'll stop there for now. There's a couple other clips I want to play, but I want to bring T.J. Moe into the conversation, perhaps balance the conversation we've been having. T.J., I think, is a bit more on Team Daily Wire than Team Crowder than I am. T.J., what's your takeaway from this feud and from what you heard from Tim Pool last night? I'm team uh, smart business sense. I'm team don't blow yourself up with no plan. I'm team don't be a hypocrite, um, which I think largely is what what Crowder is doing. Crowder is a Fox News alum. That's how he got a ton of his following. And then he built his entire following on all of the major platforms. And so he's got 6 million subscribers on YouTube. He's got whatever it is, 3 million on Facebook, a couple million on Twitter, all the major platforms. That you have to be involved. This is what I think the Daily Wire understands. This is what we understand. And most of our audience right now is, is watching this from YouTube. That you need to, even though we want to blow up the system, in order to get a following so that people even can find you, you have to do it within the system. When was the last time you heard somebody from Telegram become a star? Yeah, I didn't know about them, but I got on Telegram, and now they're a national star. It doesn't happen. That's that's true with Rumble, too. Rumble has 71 million active monthly users. YouTube has 2.6 billion. For every 36 people on YouTube, there's only one on Rumble. And so Crowder made his entire... uh, audience he created everybody that was that now knows about crowder was created on these main platforms now he's saying you can just move it over to rumble it's not a big deal don't don't play ball with these big tech platforms don't punish people for losing money 
even though that's where all of the money comes from. You don't get hardly any money from Rumble, not nearly in the same way that you do from YouTube, not nearly in the same way that you do because there's so many more people over there. He was able to move his audience. The vast majority of people can't move their audience. So he's coming in at the Daily Wire and wants to blow them up. And they, I think, rightfully have tried to play within the system. And keep in mind, he does a lot of the same stuff that they do. He has a, a piss off YouTube segment that he says behind the paywall or did behind at, at the blaze. And so that was because he knew that he would get another strike on YouTube. They do the same thing. They got a half hour every day behind the paywall on Ben Shapiro's show and a bunch of these other guys. And so for me, I think he's picking a fight to, I, I actually think this is more for attention for Crowder than I do. It is blowing up the daily wire. I think we all have a seat on the bus. I think the daily wire is doing things to disrupt. I think, I think what is a woman had a bigger cultural impact than anything that Steven Crowder has ever done. And that was paid for and produced by the daily wire. They're doing things and trying things within the system. And I hope that that grows at some point. You won't need to be within the system, but they have 1 million subscribers right now. That's it. Netflix and the big boys have 200 million. They're not within striking distance. So you have to go find the audience, create the business, create the money so that at some point you can go do that. I, I hear a lot of that, TJ, like I hear it's what Kanye thought foolishly. Well, I'm over here in this rap world. I'm going to sell all these records and I'm going to build this big name for myself. And then I'm going to come out of the closet and say, Jesus, here I am, Jesus. And <laughs> I'm going to switch up and I'm going to convert this whole rap audience that I've fed poison now it's Jesus. Now I'm a gospel singer. Now I'm doing Sunday service. Jesus. And it, it, it just, it doesn't work that way. And, and I, what I hear Crowder saying is like, hey man, it, it's go time. This strapping yourself up to the system and I'm going to make ends meet and I'm going to have success. And then eventually once I've had so much success, then I'm going to jump ship. And, and, and it's almost like, this is what I thought about Donald Trump the last two and a half years of his presidency. It's like, he hated Twitter, Twitter hated him. If he wanted to really disrupt Twitter and the fake news industry, he should have jumped to an alternative social media platform while he was the president and while everybody still had to cover everything he tweets. If he jumps to Getter or whatever was around two, with two years left in his presidency, he takes a massive audience with them and allows them to build. Instead, he waited till he got kicked off of Twitter. And then now I'm going to build my own deal, True Social, and he can't get it off the ground. And he doesn't have the importance of the presidency to drive an audience over to True Social. And so I, I'm just I'm never going to criticize someone who's saying, you know what, now it's time. I, I got to get off this big tech indoctrination organization and propaganda machine and, and you know, doing it later. I'll do it after I, after we're generating one billion dollars. That's when I'll do it. Now, nah, that's when the golden handcuffs are going to be so tight. You can never get off their platform. So here's the alternative. 
How, how many people you think Alex Jones reaches on any given day today? I, I actually have no idea. So neither do I. Okay. I, I do think Alex Jones is before they did all this to him in the legal system and hearing all these court fees and all, you know, paying lawyers and all, I do believe he was really, really successful. And based on his own words, he was ready to launch his own network. And he's right about a lot of stuff. But because he was banned from all of the big tech platforms, he has been pushed into the background for many people that otherwise would have discovered him. And so we talk about Alex Jones. A ton of people talk about Alex Jones. But if you're not out there on the main platforms saying at least as much as you can, right, your strike falls off. You get you, you can't have three strikes. I think it's within 90 days on YouTube. So you get two strikes and then you just hold it. Because there's such a big audience of people that otherwise could discover you. And this is Alex Jones, who's the biggest person not on these platforms. For the other people not on the big platforms, the idea is you stay there and stay relevant as much as you can. And then you tell the truth where you can until you can build that up. I'm not saying we don't try to abandon these platforms at some point. What I'm saying is you stay on them as long as you have to to build up an audience where you can move them, where there's a reasonable alternative. Today, there's not. You have to play inbounds or else you're going to be cast out entirely. And then what? You're not going to reach all the people that you're trying to get to be a part of your revolution. Well, my question is, I don't think any of this is actually a, trying to attack any argument Stephen Crowder has made. Um, he has never said, don't be on YouTube at all. And you said he built his platform on, on you said you built his brand on these platforms, but he's been, he's been literally demonetized on YouTube for the last three years, quite literally. Um, also, you brought up Alex Jones. Alex Jones is still more popular without being on his platforms than 99.9999% of conservative voices you hear today. He gets more viewers than them. If you, if you actually look up who's the top, who's the top uh, voices in the conservative movement, Alex Jones is always in that top three without these, without these, uh, without any of these platforms. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to see the argument you're making against Stephen Crowder because because he 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 never ever said don't ever be on these platforms. He's talking about penalizing people for getting strikes mm-hmm. on these platforms. Tim Pool is on YouTube. He has many employees. He doesn't penalize any of his people for things of that nature. Stephen Crowder doesn't penalize his people uh, for the same things. So uh, Alex Jones don't penalize people for the same things. So I don't understand why you're giving the Daily Wire the the green light to do so because that is that does make you an arm of big tech at that point. I don't agree at all because I think I think the issue you end up with, you, you penalize people from a huge contract. The alternative, Bryson, is, OK, I'll pay you 10 percent of what I would have otherwise paid you and then we'll do a revenue share. And that is a good business model if you want to do that. That's not what The Daily Wire does. But what I can't do is promise you $50 million, $100 million, and then all of the revenue streams that I use to back into that number because all these people – Every last one of them who run a good business say, here's what you can get from YouTube. I realize that's not true for Crowder, but for everybody else, it generally is. Here's what, based on these views, here's what you're going to get. Based on Apple, here's your views. This is what you're going to get. I can back into what I can pay you. So then when you lose all of these things, then how are you going to pay them? Right. The alternative is you have to pay them much less. I would imagine that Alex Jones is paying his people far less than the Daily Wire is paying his. Uh, my qu- my question would be, how can Tim Pool do it though? Because because you're trying to claim like you're trying to act like this this is the best business model, but it isn't. Because Tim Pool, matter of fact, if Ben Shapiro go live, if anybody from Daily Wire go live on YouTube, they won't get as many viewers as Tim Pool. Uh, so Tim Pool is arguably 
bigger than the entirety of the Daily Wire. And he himself turned down a contract uh, from the Daily Wire for the same exact reasons. Uh, so my question would be, how can not for he the same reasons. have contracts? Not for, <clears throat> not for the same reasons. He said it was money. He gave us his two reasons. He didn't say it was a term. He said it was because of the money. He gave him an astronomical figure. And then um, he also said it's because he wanted to do things culturally like the Liz Cheney uh, billboard that they would have not been on board with. That was his two things. He did also say that Jeremy Boring, as far as people he's negotiated with, was the very best. So it wasn't for the same Wait, reasons. But it was he also, Crowder or not. It was talked about between him and Stephen Crowder about him. He said you wouldn't be able to, if you would have signed that contract, you wouldn't be able to do your show how you wanted to do it. And Tim Pool did agree. So that, that, that did was happen the billboard last night. He said that that was the cultural impact of it. What he didn't say is he wouldn't be able to say the things that he wanted to do. They, they, they have different quibbles. But, no, no. We, everybody knows you can't say the things you want to say if you're with Daily Wire or uh, most of these orgs. I mean, that, that's obviously true. That's in the contract, matter of fact. No, no, but Tim Pool has never them. been demonetized. That's where all of his money comes from. So that was never going to be a point of contention with him. That's why he has his stuff behind it. Tim Pool makes most of his money from YouTube. That's well known. Wait, but, but why did Tim Pool, why does he have anything in, in the contract that he signed with any of his employees to say that if you get a strike, because Tim Pool said clear cut that he doesn't have that because he doesn't need to have that. Matter of fact, what Tim Pool said last night was, why? Just tell him to go to Rumble. And we get it there because he understands that when you hire talent, because let's let's be honest, they're not hiring. They, they weren't attempting to sign Stephen Crowder to make money from YouTube because Stephen Crowder doesn't make money from YouTube. Their right. whole point of signing these that they're hoping to sign these big people like Steven Crowder so they can grow their subscriber base on Daily Wire. That 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 is the entire point of signing big talent so they can obviously you invest in 50 million because you hope to make 150 million uh, from the person you're signing. That's the whole point of business, period, point blank. So um, if, if they can do it that way, because that's the reason they're trying to do it. Tim Pool obviously has a system that we can say works better than necessarily Daily Wire says. No, not necessarily don't on, agree. Um, not, not, not a documentary. No, no. Tim Pool is more popular than Tim Pool's got 30 employees. The Daily Wire, Tim Pool admitted this. If you go look at that at the night, um, just three episodes ago, I think. He was on with Candace or, or the night before. He said, I talk to Jeremy routinely still and get business uh, advice from him because I know there's a difference between 30 employees and 1,000 employees or 500 or whatever. You can't run a business the same way. So when you have a show that gets demonetized, and you admittedly say, which Tim does, this is not the best way to run a business. I'm aware of that. This is my philosophy. I'm not about making money and doing things. I want to be able to do stuff. It's not about putting money in my pocket. If you're a big company, it has to be because you have a thousand people to take care of. And if these thousand, you'll all go bankrupt and you'll all be gone. Well, th this specific contract is a talent contract, so it's not the same contract you'll give somebody working the camera or the same contract you'll give somebody uh, writing a script. These obviously are different contracts for the talent because, I mean, obviously we all know that's how contracts work. And you just said something very important, though. Um, Tim Pool admitted that he knows this is not as beneficial towards the business, but he understands he pits culture over business. That's, that's the whole, that's the entire argument though. Uh, it can't be all about business and be, I'm trying to fight in the culture war. Both things can't be true at the same time. Um, you have to choose one. And if Daily Wire is business, 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 and that's it, and that's over the culture war, then that's cool. Just make sure they stop painting themselves as such, which was Steven Crowder's argument. I don't know Steven Crowder personally. I've never even been on his show. I've been on Daily Wire YouTube channel. I've never been on his. So I have no real true skin in the game, but it is true that both can't be true at the same time. So if you're going to be business, 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 tell us. Great. Awesome. Now we know you. Stop no, saying it's you're trying to fight against big tech.
It can't it be has possible. To, it has to be both because you if you can run on a small scale, you can do what Tim Pool's doing. And I say small scale with huge respect for the guy, and I think 30 employee business is awesome. When you're talking about, didn't they say the the wire has a thousand employees, something like that? What whatever it is, however many hundreds of employees that they have, it's a different business. They're they're clearing 10 million per month right now on their revenue. And so you have so many people to take care of and the contracts that you're talking about, it's it's not a let huge me, deal. Let me jump in before I forget, only because I'm old and I'll forget. <laughs> TJ, <clears throat> aren't we having a debate about whether uh, individual shopkeepers are superior to Walmart? And Walmart, replaced all the individual shopkeepers and America's not better for it. Mm -hmm. And and the Daily Wire wants to be this mega corporation and take on Disney. And and what I think Steven Crowder and the conclusion I've reached is, oh, you become a mega corporation like Disney, you're gonna act just like Disney. And so so you're and you're selling everybody, nah man, we're this revolutionary thing, we're gonna take everything back to the old ways and we're gonna empower the little man. No, you're not. Your contracts don't empower the little man. You're not gonna empower the little man. You're gonna be in bed with big tech. You're gonna become Walmart. Walmart sounds real great. It destroys communities. It runs out individual shopkeepers. It, it undermines the uniqueness of America. This country, if you go back to the constitutional founding principles, where it was about individual shopkeepers. And, and, and we, so that's my objection to the Daily Wire and, and they're trying to they're trying to be a global corporation and they're going to act like a global corporation when they are one. They're already doing it now and it's only going to get worse the bigger they get. I think that may be part of Crowder's argument. If we all agree to put our guns down, including YouTube and Facebook and everybody else, that argument makes sense. But when you have the large corporations and they're only on the left, then good luck with your local shopkeepers. You've got a bunch of tiny people that can't ever fight these huge battles because at some point, Amazon is kicking everybody out of business. And they're leftists and they're not going anywhere. And so the alternative is not to have a whole bunch of tiny people that go on a small scale. It is you have to build something too. And you have to get as big as you can and you have to have different values and stick to them. If you have a bunch of tiny shopkeepers and you're trying to go up against YouTube, good luck. I'm what's the cartoon where like a bunch of ants take down a giant or man, I wish I could think of but but that may that may be the only way we can win. It is the the culture so corroded and corrupt, and and people's mindsets that that it it may be man. I wish I could think. It's a cartoon I watched growing up, and I can remember like they had this big giant tied down, and I don't know if it was ants or whatever, but that it, it may take some Vietnam-like guerrilla warfare uh, to to win. You know, that, that, that's how, you know, the, Viet, the South Vietnamese or the North Vietnamese, I can't remember. I know North <laughs> Korea is bad. I can't remember look, what side look, are we on in the it, Vietnam War. It takes so. money. <laughs> it takes real money to do this as opposed to you get 
we can all do a, a show, put it behind our paywall, but what the Daily Wire is trying to do, and by the way, I didn't think any of their movies have been any good. You know, it's I have my own quibbles with the Daily Wire. It's, it's interesting that I find myself in a place of defending them because I have, I have a lot of objections about the way they approach this. But in this scenario, I think you need real money. You need to, we keep saying you got to create the culture. Well, if you got a bunch of people doing it by themselves, how are you going to afford? I, you know, when I signed up for the Daily Wire, when they said, I'm going to start making you kids content, we're going to hire the people who, uh, who the creators of VeggieTales, which I watched when I grew up, was a Christian film cartoon. And they said, we're hiring those people. We're making kids content so you don't have to sign up for Disney. I gave them my money the next day because that matters to me. And that's the kind of stuff that you're not likely to see if you're not making real money. And so you have to create something that makes real money so you can go compete with these other big corporations. I think Crowder's saying, I think, if I heard him correctly, he's trying to say, no man, what we're gonna do is try to build a bunch of baby Steven Crowders and grow them and create an army of Steven Crowders and that's how we take down Disney, not by trying to duplicate Disney's model. We build a bunch of Steven Crowders all over the country. That's the model. Whether he's the right guy to do it or not, I don't know. But I think that's his argument. Because, again, I'll go back to what he's saying is, I'm Steven Crowder. And, and yes, he's been supported by the Blaze. And, yes, he... But, but he's saying, look, man, I, Steven Crowder, and we'll play the clip, uh, on midterm night, he had four times the audience on Rumble that the Daily Wire had on YouTube. And he's arguing, I got a system. We can create more Steven Crowders. This system is rigged against Steven Crowders. Let's play that clip. Also, you have to. We can't do this. I'd love to sit as from one business owner to another. You don't have to do it this way, right? A good example is, look, uh, and I feel vulgar talking about numbers. Election night, okay? Election night. We had been suspended for having Carrie Lake on. The entire Daily Wire cast on YouTube, less than a quarter of the viewers that we had on Rumble. When we cross streams, their viewership went up 40, 30, 40,000 people. That's proof of product that, hey, look, proof of concept. You can do it off of YouTube. You don't have to. Right. I think you use the platform as long as you can, but you need to start building alternatives. It is fundamental to the business model on the right to not change that. And I'll just point out that we have about 120,000 more live viewers than we average with you being here. So there's something to be First That's of all, he, what he's he brought go, go his, ahead. He brought his YouTube audience to Rumble. He moved people over. Had he just started on Rumble where people had no idea where he was, he would not have four times the audience as everybody else. And so <clears throat> the the idea that you can just create okay, LeBron James is actually having his own children. Bronny's not nearly what LeBron James is. We're all aware of that. You can't just train the next star. Like he's a special talent. He was on Fox News as a kid. He's only 35 now. He's on Fox News in 2009, right? He's a very unique talent that can go sit and command an audience anywhere. He's one of the most talented comedians in America. And to, to, to act like you can just roll it out and I got a system to create the next one of me is ridiculous. It's insane. I don't think that's what he's saying. It, it isn't. I, I think he's saying, and, and I know Bryson knows this in the music industry, there's a lot of talented rappers 
that if ever given a chance at blowing up in life, real, any type of support, they would blow up. I, 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 dude, I graduated Ball State with a 2.3 grade point average. When I got out, I wasn't even remotely qualified to be a full-time sports writer. Took, but, but I walked into, in 1990, when I graduated, I walked into a system that rewarded people that wanted to work hard and were willing to put in that extra effort and were willing to be outspoken and stand on truth. And so I made myself and the system allowed me and I had help, but I was willing to accept that help. And people that wanted to work with me and train me up and whatever, there was a system that allowed someone like me to develop. And I wish that other kids could walk into the system that I walked into. Instead, they're walking into a rigged, big tech controlled system where everybody's doing cookie cutter journalism, everybody's saying the exact same thing, and it's killing America. And I'm, what Steven Crowder's saying is, man, I'm not, and, and this will say, he's saying, I'm not that special. There's other people that could do what I do if given the opportunity. That's the way I feel. But this whole system is rigged against people coming up the way that I did and, and, and even being allowed to express the kind of opinions that I expressed that used to be celebrated. I won awards, major journalism awards. Only sports writer to ever do so, but I was allowed to. Now they've come in with this system you can't have independent thoughts. You can't have contrarian thoughts. Everything must meet the system's approval. And he's saying, Daily Wire, you're playing that system game that's rigged, and there'll never be other Steven Crowders come up under your system. What would you call Brett Cooper? She was a nobody that now got a million subscribers in seven or eight months. Who is Michael Playing Knowles? the system, playing by the rules. <clears throat> She's no threat. She's Steven Crowder's a threat. Yeah. She's as safe and as cuddly as, as you can be. And I, I'm not all that familiar with her content, but she, she, <laughs> she's no threat to they, anybody. They love her on TikTok, but like she doesn't say anything controversial. She, she's popular because she's a woman that a lot of guys think is cute, and she's, she's on a conservative side. The, Stephen Crowder's point is, who can say, because no disrespect, a lot of these people, they do say cookie-cutter things. The same thing everybody else says. There's no unique perspective, because if you have a unique perspective, uh, that comes with the possibility of getting banned or getting censored or getting a strike. So Stephen Crowder is saying, under their system, you can't have a Stephen Crowder or have somebody that says something Guys, different Matt that Walsh. people will actually be afraid of. Matt Walsh oh. has said as crazy a things as any of us have ever said. He made an entire film about now you make it a good point. You just you just that's a good pivot, okay. TJ. You recovered. We knocked you off your feet. You got back up on your feet. You, uh, you, you've clinched this now with Matt Walsh. Go ahead. I love Matt Walsh. Continue. I love Matt Walsh too. <laughs> Matt Walsh continues to say any and everything that comes to his mind. And so I have quibbles about the same ones that you did, Jason, about his What is a Woman film that he didn't add in. He's a he's a diehard Catholic, didn't feel that to be necessary. I thought it should have been still he at that point, by saying what he was saying and all the clips going out on Facebook and stuff, he said, I expected that all of my social media would be gone as soon as we release this clip, as soon as we release the film. And so they don't they're not putting these constraints on him. 
who Matt Walsh was at the blaze and the vast majority of people didn't know who he was. Right. Matt Walsh goes out and does a show. He does a secondary show behind the paywall, just like a lot of people right now. And now he went from a couple hundred thousand, maybe a hundred thousand Twitter followers to like 1.3, 1.4 million because he went out and did something against the grain. He there, there's nobody out there fighting the culture war harder than Matt Walsh. And he is a part of the Daily Wire. So just to be clear, Daily Wire, I mean, uh, Matt Walsh is also a unique person, as you said, Stephen Crowder was, because while a lot of people are following Matt Walsh, it's honestly simply because his tweets are so based. That's why his Twitter followers are going up. It's, honestly, it's not even so much the documentary. It's, I don't know if you've seen his Twitter. He's like just a little less controversial than me, and that's saying a lot because I am wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, a lot of people follow a lot of people follow him because he's like literally just based, bro. Um, but that's a unique situation. But I, does he say the same things on YouTube that he says on Twitter? And I've watched a few of his episodes, and it's not it's not the it's not necessarily the exact same. But but neither does Tim Pool. Right. And so we're, we're all like we're adding we're using Tim as a guy about how he runs his businesses and this is the way to do it. And Tim actively makes sure that he has all of the current guidelines on YouTube memorized so they don't ever violate them because they get so much of their revenue. And then he says, hey, guys, I'm building something on the back end. You know, we can't have real conversations here. I'm going to entertain you here and we're going to talk about the real stuff behind this paywall. And that's the whole point. Yeah, that's but what I, all of us should no, be no, doing. But there's a difference, though. He, Tim Pool doesn't have the same thing in his contracts for the talent that Daily Wire has. That's that. That's the whole point. Tim Pool is not saying. Tim Pool is not saying if you do happen to say something to get suspended on YouTube, he's not docking you anything. That's that. That's the point. Daily Wire, they, they is. They are in their contracts. Here's why. Because I don't know what he's. Pay- it's hard to talk about this without numbers. But when you're paying for a show. And you can afford to float that show no matter the income. That's okay. When you're paying for a ton of shows that that each month now come out with millions of dollars in expenses, you have $10 million in revenue. So how much, how many million does it take to run this company? And say you had three shows at the same time, all get demonetized. Your entire company goes under, right? So you can do something on a small scale that you cannot do on a large scale. That's the point. You have to have these type of contracts. I'm not saying I agree with all the contracts. I think you should go in and negotiate the contracts. I would prefer a revenue share because that protects both parties and gives you upside. That was, remember, this is one of the things that Crowder said yesterday. We got all the downside and none of the upside. Great. Negotiate. But he didn't negotiate at all. And Tim Pool is one of the guys who came out and said there is nobody that has been easier and better to negotiate with than Jeremy Boring. And Steven Crowder wouldn't know because he never tried. I'm, I'm not. I, well, he did, but I'm not even saying Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy's a bad person. I'm not even saying Daily Wire is a bad company. I'm not even saying they're not doing anything good. But what, what you keep trying to avoid is people are doing what they're doing with talent without having these things in their contract. They don't have to have these things in their contract. They have them in there because they're strictly business. It's less about culture and it's more about business. That's, I mean, that's simple it is because in all honesty, what that's doing is saying we are an arm of big tech. That's the only way to look at it. You're saying if you say the bad, because basically you're a slave to big tech. If you go against their guidelines, we can change at a drop of a dime. Literally, YouTube can change their guidelines right now and ban a video from last week that broke it. Because YouTube can put you out of business. And when you have a giant business, that's the threats that you have. And so it's not like it's all going to be about business. It's that we have to stay in business to fight the culture war at all. You want to have a culture war without a business. You can't do it. Wait, so can can you just admit, it's fine that you're okay with it, but can you just admit that essentially the people they sign are also signing to the guidelines of YouTube or else they will get their pay docked? Of, Of course. 
because the point of it okay, is right. that we have to have this revenue. It, I, I think you feel like you're pinning me down here. What I'm saying is, is you have to keep your doors open in order to have a business. And, the, and this is the day okay. I talked to Jason about this okay. this morning. I, I, I get it. I get it. But Crowder, let, let, let's break up the fight between you and Bryson. <laughs> And, 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 and just remember, you, you the one that said something about Brett Cooper, you'll never live that down. Uh, <laughs> Brett Cooper was a star, this, this. and you never knew her name before that. She is a star. That's true, though. That was my point, and that's that true. they gave her support. I'll she's got a million she subscribers in six or seven months, and you had no idea. She's 21 years old. They gave her support to create someone. I, I, I get it. I get the, the, Well, that and, was the point. You know what? She is a star. She, she is a star. She's harmless, though. Yes. And, and we're that's in a culture point. war, and that's the discussion creating. we're having. So again, I, there's a bunch of stars. I, uh, Miley Cyrus, isn't she a star? Sure. What's Justin Bieber? No, He's a star. star. Yeah, superstar <laughs> people. Yeah. Talking about a lot of stars. They're harmless. Lizzo's a star. <laughs> they can turn anybody <laughs> into a star. That is, they're harmless. <laughs> We're talking about culture war. We're talking about man stuff True. over here, TJ. True. I mean, <laughs> we're, talking about man. we're talking about a culture war. People are just willing to die. <laughs> so, uh, anywho, I want to go back to, or I want to get back on Crowder a bit, because he and Tim Pullett, and this is about a four-minute clip where they talk about what he, what Tim Pool sees as the future of Mug Club and and uh, Stephen Crowder's business model versus the Daily Wire. Take a listen to this. Do you think that when you you're you are going to launch something independent? It's going to be Mug Club, but then you're going to add on shows. Do you think you'll be bigger than the Daily Wire? Uh, I don't care. No, 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 real question. Based on your memberships, uh, based on the amount of views you get, do you think you will be bigger than that? I'm not saying this as... as it, it would, it would if, if, I, if I decided that I... Uh, let me answer it this way. I've wanted to be done with this by the time I'm 40 as far as hosting the show on air. The last thing you want to do is overstay your welcome and then move to a, you know, um, I wouldn't say like necessarily uh, like a Harvey Weinstein or like a Bruckheimer, but more like a Suge Knight, you know? How old are you now? Uh, 35. Okay. So... Um, and I want to be able to pass that torch. When's your birthday? July. July, okay. Yeah. So um, I want to be able to pass that torch. Right now, there is no ability to because you now realize there's no ability for people to come up and do. But it would be really hard for you to do what you do now today. You know that, right? Yeah. And yeah. Harder and harder. And it'd be day. harder. Yeah. It'd be impossible for someone to do what I do. I don't want to pull the ladder up behind me. So I want to be able to move into a production role. But really what motivates me is being able to pass that mantle and make a difference. I guarantee you, if we were to do it, it'd be within striking distance of the big boys. Um, which I'd be fine with, but as long as we do something that we believe in, and I, I promise we will never demand people's YouTube monetization. We will never punish them if they are not, uh, and it has to be something fair, and it has to be us not shortchanging the investor, meaning the people, Mug Club. It's entirely independent, paying us for, to fight for what they believe. I'll, Whatever those numbers are, I'd accept them. I'll tell yeah. you my, my prediction, which who knows could be worthless. Yeah, Nostradamus you, hit me. You, you launch uh, uh, subscription service, independent mug club. You get 300,000 hard signups at 10 or more per month. I mean, it, it was 10 bucks a month for, for a lot of people. It's going up because of inflation, because you know people need raises and things like that. But let's say you did 10 bucks a month. You're looking at like 3 million in memberships with no ad reads at all. Let's say you do programmatic reads on the podcast version, meaning you, Stephen, never read a single ad. 
Then you're looking at another, based on your traffic, I'd estimate another two to $5 million per, uh, per year, not per month. So right off the bat, you're looking at $40 million per year. Then here's what happens. Steven Crowder then offers big players really good contracts. No BS, no fees, yeah. none of that. Out the gate, it's a legitimately good contract that gives your business a small cut, but gives them the, the lion's share for the work they produce. They're going to say, oh, I'm signing with, with Mug Club. The, the, the terms were incredible. I mean, Crowder's going to make money off the deal. The company's going to grow. So with the draft, with the hats. That's right. I'm getting a lot of money. Then what's going to happen is it's going to make it very difficult for the big con, these other big conservative companies, to sign these deals. When a young creator says, I appreciate the offer, it's tempting, but Crowder's offering me twice the money with no, with no setbacks. Yeah. I would really, really like it, Re- genuinely, and, and Gerald knows this, if there's someone else in the space who handles that shit. Because I'm not a business guy. I'm not, here's the thing. I'm, no, no, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not a business guy. Yeah. I'm a guy who outpunted his coverage, right? You can go back and watch with a blue bed sheet who was doing stand-up comedy and acting and then had kind of put had my back up against the wall, right? I would really like it if there was someone else who already has the money, who already has that ability to do it. If they can't, okay, I'll carry that torch. But, well, I don't know, maybe maybe there's someone out there. Are there enough good men and enough people left? Because that's that's not the best use of my time. Like, it takes a lot of time to do a Goodwill hunting. Do you have any idea how hard it is to make Schindler's List funny when you're doing a parody? (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Like, it's a lot of work. That's where my time is better spent. And that's where the time, by the way, of all the creators is best spent. But instead, they're being forced to make this decision. You know you're a creative type. You want to deal with numbers and back-end and business? It's exhausting. Yeah. So... Crowder system, he's stupid, he doesn't know what he's doing, he'll never make the next Brett Cooper, but he's going to make $40 million a month and uh, take on the Daily Wire. He's not making $40 he, he, million. He doesn't know what he's doing. You think he's going to make he, $40 well, a year, million? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, he said yeah. a year. He, no, yeah. starting out, he said $40 million a year, and eventually, at some point in there, he said it's going to be a $100 million a year business. That may have been before that, but... Uh, he's a monster you know, talent. But he'll never make a Brett Cooper. Uh, well, Go ahead. I'm sorry. He, he's a monster talent. And so he, as long as he's attached to things, will be able to do it. But he's talking about creating a business model that he can step out of in five years. Like those viewers are paying to view him. And so the idea that you're just going to step out of it and it's all going to roll out there, it, it doesn't make sense. Look, businesses have to show a profit, one, for when things go wrong in order to cover expenses, but two, in order to reinvest back into the business and continue to create. So if, if you want to go at it and, and run a break-even business, one, nobody's ever going to get a raise, and two, you'll never create anything outside of what you've already created because you need profit in order to expand. And so th- there's a fundamental difference between what the, the conversations we're having right now. You and Bryson are on one side, I'm on the other, largely because I deal in the business world and you guys are both creators. You think like creators and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. We need both sides to come together to have something smart. But as you guys, you, uh, Bryce, I'm aware that you have particularly apparel and things, but I think business people who think business first, and it's not about being out there on the microphone, have a totally different approach about how this has to go. And I think there needs to be a conversation. Yeah, I'm telling you. No, I don't think they're scared. I think people who run a business understand how things have to work in order to go out there and really fight. Or else, if everybody wants to go do their own thing, then you are on the precipice of going bankrupt at any any given time. Each individual person. If I had time to do it all, I would. 
but <laughs> oh, I, I, I do it all. Trust me, I don't want. I, I do not want to. My, my only thing is, if, if you create a subscription model, let's say if you get a million people to sign up, paying ten dollars a month, that's ten million dollars a month. You can you can literally do the production, do the signing, and pay people based on that. You don't need to read ads. You can literally demonetize your own YouTube channel, never take another dime if you can create a successful uh, subscription model, which is what Daily Wire has attempted to do with Daily Wire Plus. I think they said, mm-hmm. I think he said Holmes' interview with the Nelk Boys, which I love Bishop Perry's interview on the Nelk Boys, by the way, because he talked about the business aspect of things. It seemed cooler than just him ranting about terrible political takes. But um, <laughs> when you do that, you got a million people. <laughs> <laughs> we got you got a million people paying what? How, how much is Daily Wire Plus? You said you have it, TJ. How much is yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's thirteen dollars a month, maybe. Thirteen dollars a month, a million people, thirteen million uh, per month. If that's the only sign-up fee, and uh, they have things behind the paywall, and obviously they're signing people to grow that specific thing because that's what they're trying to lead to, and that's based on their right. own situation. So the, to me, that makes uh, the, that part of the contract makes less sense to me. So, um, so but, Bryson, you know, let, just. I, let me ask you, as as somebody that obviously you're doing it all on your own, so this I, I would think you, you would lean this way. But the the model that I would try to create if I'm the Daily Wire at this point, particularly with with all this backlash, is we're going to give you either no base or just a general base, and we'll provide all the production, we'll provide the advertising, we'll provide a ton of support for you, but we're going to have to split. The revenue. It's going to have to be a rev share because the upside and the downside have to be the same. What I can't do is promise you all of this money and you have no downside at all. That's uh, The business will go under. Well, re- re- revenue share wouldn't be bad, but you got to think about it with me. I'm, I, you know, I don't really care. Money is not like a main motivator in my life. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be successful. Somebody give me $10 million, please. I got great ideas. Uh, but I'm not willing to compromise anything I believe in for it. So I've got, I had two strikes on YouTube for the entirety of 2022, and that was no fun. Uh, and then what comes with that, as you know, is shadow ban. Then your money goes down like on YouTube, and that's literally what happened with me. And plus, I invest a lot back into my own self because I am my business. Um, so I actually had a lot of months where I actually lost money because I'm trying to invest because I'm trying to beat the shadow ban and then I got suspended so I got to pit it elsewhere and do a lot of things like that. But I, I, I'm okay with that risk as long as I know that I'm pitting my belief system before the money. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I feel like God has blessed me because of that. Uh, so all, all I'm saying is if it's, if it's strictly business, that's, that's fine as long as you paint yourself that way. But when you paint yourself making it as something other than strictly business, I feel like that's where a lot of people take issue with it. I could not disagree with you guys more. I just I, The idea that you can have a culture <laughs> war without having a profitable business is crazy. The business would go that's away, not, that's, and then nobody's that's fighting. That's not the it. argument. That's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying. That's not the no, argument. That's not what I'm, but I'm saying. saying. They have these rules in to make sure that they're profitable so that they can fight a culture war. But Tim Pool is profitable. Steven Crowder's business is profitable, though. Alex Jones' business is profitable. I mean, he's got sued for a boatload of money, so I don't know about right now, but yeah. <laughs> very he's, he's profitable. He's about a trillion dollars what? in debt right now, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, but there's other ways to be profitable. There are, but you who, disagree? T- tell me, tell me who in the space right now is taking the Alex chances Jones. that the Daily Wire is. No, no, taking the cultural chances. They started a razor company to give you an alternative, so you're not giving your money to Harry's razors. They they're creating a hundred million dollars into children's films. They're creating really bad movies, in my opinion. They're doing documentaries. Who else is taking <laughs> these chances? Uh, as far as the kids thing, I, I, I guess just them. But uh, did you see when they brought up Alex Jones' taxes and how much money he's made over the last five years? 
You see how many they said Air Force made? A buttload. A buttload. I think it was like, I don't want to say a wrong number. I, it was a lot of money. Ten, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars that, that Alex Jones has made without having a platform. Uh, so I'm just saying it, it can be done. All I'm saying is you don't have to have it. If it was something you had to have, I wouldn't be mad. Like, obviously, if you invest in somebody, you have to make money back. If I, if I get an artist and I invest $500,000 in your, in, your, in your music and getting part of that 500 k is 100000 upfront money just to you, I'm getting my dang on $500,000 back before you get anything. I mean, that's, that's yeah. just clear business. And so I'm going to say this, TJ, about taking chances. Now, I, I'm sorry to... I'll sound like a homer or sound like I'm just defending the people I'm in partnership with, but I would, if I was the blaze, I would argue like, hey man, uh, we went out and uh, built a studio for Jason Whitlock in Nashville. Jason Whitlock is one of the most dangerous voices in this entire culture war because he goes right at the race angle. That's as, that's as dangerous a topic as anything, and and the daily and the Blaze could say, what is, no, what is a woman? That's a nice little one-off documentary. Jason Whitlock is a nuclear weapon pointed at the race issue, and every day we have offices in Dallas and the whole thing, but we let this dude do it in Nashville, and they, so we're taking chances. And then they go, uh, we support this dude named Steve Dace who wrote, who's written two books going after Fauci and the whole COVID pandemic scam, blah, blah, blah. And Steve Dace is out in Iowa on an island and we support that. And we support him and Daniel Horowitz. And, and hey, it's great that the Daily Wire followed in behind Steve Dace and uh, all of his reporting on COVID. But Steve Dace was out there taking them shots and getting demonetized and strikes on uh, YouTube when it wasn't cool to do it. Uh, then they would say, you know, their support of Glenn Beck, who has been a warrior in the culture. And so the Blaze would say, hey, man, we're taking chances. And it's great that, you know, they're doing some popular stuff that's making headlines with documentaries and uh, we're doing kids' movies and all that other stuff. But there's other ways to take chances. Mm-hmm. And so don't diminish what the Blaze is doing. And then if I'm, if I'm, I, I would even go this far with, and I don't, I certainly don't like everything Fox News is doing, but every night they let Tucker Carlson open that <laughs> show with a monologue that trashes the CIA, the NSA, the, C, uh, the FBI, the Biden administration. That's a real chance that the Murdochs are taking. And so, no disrespect to the Daily Wire, but there are other people out here taking real chances. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the distinction I want to make, though, is talk shows versus creating other things in the culture right now. And so, the, it, it, people are looking for a place to go buy something that they're not the the corporation's not going to turn around and spend it on flying one of their female employees out to go get an abortion and that's hard to find right that's happening at target it's happening at amazon and so we're looking for people they had a razor company that they created that i can go buy razors that they're not going to turn around and spend my money on paying for an abortion right that is a distinction between them and what i think other people are doing the kids content i don't know anybody else making it and i've got a, a little girl that's about to turn two years old that I 
want to give her something to watch. And so I'm willing to pay for that. I will help you. I know and you I hope have they put out good kids content and don't make the Christian person the evil person in whatever <laughs> uh, deal they put out. I, I hope maybe they'll put God in some of their stuff and won't make yeah. what is a woman and be afraid to put God in it because uh, Zuckerberg or whoever runs YouTube doesn't like it. I, I hope. But based off of what I've seen, they may uh, pull a banana in the tailpipe on all of y'all that are. Look, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of quibbles with the Daily Wire. I told you I'm put in a weird position of having to defend them because I have a lot of criticisms of them. These are things that I think we, not just at, at The Blaze, but we at Fearless should be doing and, and are beginning to do. We want to do documentaries. We want to be out there. We're doing our first roll call. There are going to be places where we're entering the culture, too, and it's going to be right here at The Blaze. And so I, I'm not propping them up. What I'm saying is they're able to do these things because they're running a profitable business. Uh, I want to lighten it up a little bit because this has been a really heavy, heavy show, but I, I want to stay on the, and I wish Bryson, you've never watched Game of Thrones. Never, no. You, you, do you know anything about it? I have a Game of Thrones gaming chair because it has a lion on it, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, TJ, I am right. You have watched Game of Thrones, correct? Yes. Yeah. All right. So four or five days ago, I tried to break down this whole Crowder Daily Wire feud in a Game of Thrones analogy. And I did this over Twitter and it took me like 20 some odd tweets. Uh, and, and, and it works, I think it's clever, but I also think it's accurate and it's a way to understand what I think is going on. I think some people think Steven Crowder is just evil and He's a madman, he's just gone off the rails and he's blowing, I, I don't think that. I actually think, as you've heard me uh, today on the show, defend Steven Crowder, and that's why I compare him to Littlefinger on the Game of Thrones. Uh, Littlefinger was, is, particularly in the season one, he's kind of established as like, oh man, he sold out Ned Stark and blah, 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 but he actually gave Ned Stark, who was the, the hero, of the first season. He actually gave him some damn good advice. He knew war was coming and, and he gave Ned Stark, here's what you need to do, uh, embrace this war, make a partnership. Who, I think he wanted to make a partnership with the Lannisters or whatever. He explained to him like, no nah, man, you, you, know, <laughs> you make peace with your enemies. Don't, don't, cause Ned was like, oh, they're my enemies. I go, who, who else do you make peace with? You don't make peace with your <laughs> friends. But anyway, I got Steven Crowder as Littlefinger, he believes chaos is a ladder, he knows winter's coming, he correctly identified Big Tech as the White Walkers, and in his mind he gave Jeremy Boring great advice. Which then leads me to, and okay, just let me stop there. What do you think of me comparing uh, Crowder to Littlefinger, uh, TJ? The, my only real recollection, because I'm not nearly, a, I didn't nerd out on Game of Thrones. I watched every episode, but I didn't read the books. I don't remember everything about every character. I didn't, I didn't watch Game of Thrones two or three times through. The only thing I remember about Littlefinger is that he was unbelievably manipulative and everything that came out of his mouth was self-serving. So whatever advice he gave to somebody, it was going to help Littlefinger. And so I don't know much about Crowder outside of this. I've always liked Crowder. Um, so that that would be as my only impression of Littlefinger. That would be somewhat unflattering to Crowder. And so 
It's not unflattering, and I, as I told you, you know, TJ told me that earlier today, and I, I was like, well, hold on, man. You're giving self-serving advice a bad name. I, I, I've, I've had this conversation with virtually every woman I've ever dated. Just because what I'm saying serves my interest doesn't make it bad advice. <laughs> and so <laughs> there's nothing wrong with self-serving advice if it also benefits you. And so that's what Littlefinger did. His advice was self-serving, but it was mm -hmm. there to benefit Ned Stark and to protect the realm if, you know, Ned Stark was really interested in protecting the seven kingdoms, or if he had the balls to protect the seven kingdoms. Uh, and so I then moved on to uh, Jeremy Boring. He is Ned Stark, or his proper name, Lord Eddard Stark, hand to the king of the Daily Wire, uh, Ben Shapiro. Ned Stark was the hand of the king, King Robert Baratheon. Jeremy has far more ego than Ned Stark, but in Littlefinger's mind, Jeremy is every bit as naive, thinking he can work with big tech and maintain conservative values. Uh, anyway, Jeremy Boring, Ned Stark, your thoughts, TJ? I, uh, I hope for Jeremy's sake that his life ends up a little better than Ned, who got his head chopped <laughs> off at the end of the first season. Um, Ned, Ned, that Ned was my favorite, not my favorite. He was the um, he was the only character in the whole series that had any real virtue. Like you, you're like, OK, that's the good guy. And you found him early on. And so that that's probably the biggest compliment you can give Jeremy Boy. If you want to be labeled anybody in Game of Thrones, it's Ned Stark. Yes, you die pretty quickly, but you actually have uh, some morality in your heart. And the rest of them were just fighting over power. And you need a deeper understanding of the show because you'll you'll find out when you have a deeper understanding of the show. Ned was a coward in the culture war. The winner was coming. He was a coward. And he's he he. he his unwillingness to do what was necessary at the time set off this entire war. If he had had the balls that Littlefinger tried to give him, the whole catastrophe could have been avoided. Mm. Uh, so I'll stand by my comparison of Jeremy to Ned Stark. Uh, I've got uh, Ben Shapiro as Bran Stark, who <laughs> ends up being the eventual king of the Six Kingdoms at this point, because uh, like Ben, uh, uh, Bran Stark has these unexplained superpowers that allegedly allow him to see into the future, except when it comes to uh, the milk of the poppy vaccine. Milk of the poppy is what they took. And anytime anybody was sick, they were prescribed milk of the poppy, the vaccine. And, <laughs> and like Bran Stark, Bran Stark gets to the end. He's named, you know, supreme ruler of the seven kingdoms. And he says, no, only six kingdoms. Winterfell is Israel. I'm, it's going to be its own standalone kingdom, and I'm going to let my sister, Sansa, Brett Cooper, uh, run it. <laughs> uh, ben Shapiro is Bran Stark. It's interesting. <clears throat> Bran, I think, was the least. I liked Joffrey more than I liked Bran. Bran, I thought, <laughs> fell out of a tree, was pushed out of a tree in the first episode, became pushed paralyzed. Pushed out of a window. Push out, uh, okay, pushed out of a window in the a first in the first episode, episode yeah yeah uh, which you know I, I guess he was already scarred from watching uh uh incest from his, the, the queen and his brother anyhow he goes up into a tree and it he's in the tree for like three years a three-eyed raven who does absolutely nothing he's the most unlikable character that i wanted to die 
from the second. It's like when he made, I was glad he made it, didn't die from falling out of the tree. And then after that, I wanted him written out of the story and he never was. So decent. Yeah, I could go further. I could have went further, but I was trying to stay out of trouble. Brand was Hordor, uh, had this character Hordor who carried him around. And that's Benjamin Netanyahu that carries uh, Ben Shapiro around. But <laughs> I didn't go that far. Uh, I'm probably going to be on their hit list over in Israel shortly. Uh, I got Donald Trump as King Robert Baratheon. This is very easy. Uh, King Robert was once a great warrior, uh, but he got, he got sloppy and more and more vulnerable uh, to his many enemies and rivals. And ended up dying, ended up getting killed, uh, got set up by his wife, actually. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is Robert Baratheon, makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, so we never got to see Robert Baratheon as a great warrior. When he was introduced into Game of Thrones, he was already a fat yeah. drunk. And so we, we didn't get yeah. to see the, the, the 2016 Donald Trump is not Robert Baratheon, but today he's out there selling NFTs, so I'm on board with that. <laughs> This other, this was easy. I've got uh, Candace Owens as Cersei Lannister. <laughs> Cersei Lannister was my favorite character in Game of Thrones. I was in love with Cersei. Uh, stunning, conniving, and power hungry. Sensing the fall of her political husband, King Robert Baratheon, uh, she's devised a plan to empower herself, uh, Candace Owens. Stunning, conniving, and power hungry. I think that's a proper description. I do think that's a, a good description. I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm proud of you for not referencing the walk of shame. That, that uh, truly was my, what <laughs> you had to explain to Bryson what that is, but uh, proud of you for the that. The High Sparrow, the religious cult in King's Landing, eventually gets their hooks into Cersei Lannister, and they make her walk naked through the streets of King's Landing while people spit on her through peed on her through stuff. I mean, it's, it's See, one of the most memorable scenes. At, at first, I was like, I might want to watch this show the way I talk about it, but y'all talk about incest and all types of oh, hippity it's crazy. hop. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I've got uh, Matt Walsh as Jamie Lannister, uh, the noble bad guy. Uh, Matt Walsh and Candace Owens, they playfully feud over social media to conceal their mutual admiration. Uh, Matt Walsh and Jamie Lannister, nicknamed Jamie Lannister was nicknamed the King Slayer. Matt Walsh is nicknamed the Drag Queen Slayer. Uh, <laughs> Walsh's true affinity is for protecting the little people because Jamie Lannister did everything to protect his little brother who was a dwarf, Tyrion Lannister. So uh, Matt Walsh is really committed to kids. I love that one. I'm not even going to, you can't, that, that's the perfect description. Uh, wow. I got Elon Musk. I got Elon Musk as Tywin Lannister. Tywin Lannister, uh, the patriarch of Game of Thrones, the richest man in Game of Thrones. Musk always believed that gold wins war, not soldiers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Musk, and they had this deal that Lannisters always pay their debts. I heard that, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Musk always pays his debts. I've got Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bee as Tyrion Lannister. That one's called so the imp. Tyrion was the, the midget brother of <laughs> Jamie Lannister. Am I not supposed to say midget? I, I don't, when did, they, did they outlaw midget? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know nowadays. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
But anyway, Seth Dillon, the leader of the Babylon Bee, what Tyrion was great for, great intelligence that he hid, he camouflaged with his quick wit. Uh, and you couldn't help but love Tyrion Lannister. What, what, <laughs> Christian, <laughs> is the word midget? That, <laughs> midget is great. Midget, we always said midget. We used to talk about midget bowling the whole <laughs> When I was growing up, oh no, is there, is there a different word to use? I One of yeah. my favorite oh. was Bannon 2017. Mental midget. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can't say midget? I, I'm, I'm still saying it. Uh, I got Jordan Peterson as Varys. Uh, Jordan probably won't like that because Varys was a eunuch, castrated, no balls, but he was a very wise sage with an array of sources and information who places protection of the realm above all else. I got Alex Jones as Stannis Baratheon. Stannis Mm. Baratheon is King Robert Baratheon's brother. He was the rightful heir to the throne, uh, but he was a very fearless warrior. Stannis should have been, you know, the the heir to the throne when King Robert died, but he got killed on the battlefield and he went out like a true G. Uh, he's on the battlefield, and uh, this big woman, uh, Bryn of Tarth or whatever, mammoth Brittany Griner type woman, stabs him with a sword, and right before he does, he goes, go on, do your duty. Went out like a G. Uh, remind, and so Jason, that's Alex remind Jones. Me, remind me, Jason, this was not the guy that burned his daughter at the stake, right? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness, what? Stannis Baratheon burned his daughter at the stake trying to get, trying to get the throne. Game of Thrones is a tremendous show because what it does is just about what men and women will do for power, and they'll do yeah. anything. Burn your own daughter? Huh? Men and women will do anything for power. That, that, that's the point of it. Wow. Uh, I've got uh, the, work, the most reviled character in all the Game of Thrones is King Joffrey. That's who Joe Biden is. So let's go King Joffrey. Uh, (laughs) uh, And so Joffrey came to power because his mother, Cersei Lannister, uh, the king actually left written instructions about Ned replacing him, but his mother threw out the ballot at 3 a.m. so that her son uh, could be the king. Uh, And King Joffrey was kind of weird and sadistic. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a very violent towards women, loved to smell and sniff women. Uh, <laughs> so, Joe Biden. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got Alex Stein, primetime Stein 99 as Braun. Braun was a mercenary for hire who made you <laughs> laugh. Always down for trial by combat. Uh, this is a good one. Kamala Harris is Roz. Roz was the town prostitute, slept her way from Winterfell to King's Landing, all the way to King Joffrey's bedroom, all the way to Joe Biden's bedroom, bedroom where Joffrey murdered her by bow and arrow. So, Damn. <laughs> what type of show is this, bro? <laughs> it's a tremendous show. I got Brittany Griner as Bryn of Tarth. Bryn yes. of Tarth was some six foot eight woman. Uh, the most, she was the most heroic, virtuous, selfless, and courageous non-binary person in all of the all of Westeros. Griner mm. ascended to Lord Commander of the Kingsguard after smuggling hash into the Iron Islands at the behest of Joe Biden. Mm. Uh, here's one of my favorite ones: Tommy Lawn. She's Lady Marjorie Tyrell. Uh, Lady Marjorie was obsessed with fame, fortune, and power. Listen to who Lady Marjorie married. 
Her brother's boyfriend was her first husband. Brothers who? Her brother's boyfriend was her oh, first yeah. husband. I ain't watching this show. Then she married <laughs> King Joffrey. <laughs> then she married King Joffrey's brother, little brother Tommen. Uh, yeah. And then eventually she pretended to join the High Sparrow religious cult. Uh, she did anything for power. Tommy Lauren. Uh, ooh, this, this is probably my favorite. Clay Travis. He's a uh, Theon Greyjoy. Uh, abandoned by his political father, Al Gore, Clay became a ward of the Starks, eventually betraying them, captured, tortured, castrated, and renamed Reek by Ramsey Snow. Clay now struggles to find an authentic identity. I thought... <laughs> That was my best work, TJ. Your thoughts? <laughs> I, the, the, there was no one. You, you don't understand how much somebody can get abused until you see him turn into Reek. He went from Theon Greyjoy into Reek. And the, actually, so Sansa, I can't, I can't remember the, <clears throat> the connection. Wasn't it? Sansa. Um, Sansa, thank you. I, I believe they chopped his penis off and mailed it to her. And she opened it up to see that he had been castrated. Yeah, I I don't remember that, but I don't remember not remembering that, so uh, I believe you. I got yeah, uh, uh, Greta Thunberg as Arya Stark. Arya Stark was this little bitty, like, 10-year-old girl at the beginning of Game of Thrones, but by season eight, she's still a little girl. She still looks 10 years old, uh, but she's the hero of all heroes of the show. She kills the evil villain, the Night King. Uh, she thwarts. They, they had a global warming theme, but it was global colding. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she stands as the symbol of girl power, Greta Thunberg, uh, total media creation. Uh, I got Tucker Carlson as Jon Snow, the biggest hero <laughs> of Game of Thrones. He has king's blood, but chooses to be champion of the Night's Watch which is this wall protecting them from the White Walkers. Yep. He rose to Lord Commander of the men maintaining the wall at the border, uh, Tucker Carlson. And then finally, <clears throat> hold on, I've got uh, he, Governor Ron. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, TJ. No, no, I just, he also slept with his sister, Bryson. So there's just, there's a lot of this. <laughs> I'm not watching. I'm not. I, I, this show sounds so interesting, but I can't. I can't do it. It got gay It's people. worth watching. It's worth Incest. watching. It, it, it's worth watching. It, it, it's uh -huh. tough, but it's worth watching. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and Carrie Lake are Viserys and Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, they were like off in the distance, making their way to the throne through the first seven seasons or so, making their way to King's Landing. Everybody thought they were going to save. Uh, King's Landing and save the realm and they were going to, you know, Viserys actually got killed early on, but Daenerys turned out to be Hillary Clinton basically by the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that would be true of Carrie Lake, but everybody's expectations were like, oh man, can't wait for them to take back the Iron White House throne, Ron DeSantis mm -hmm. and Carrie Lake. <clears throat> and then finally, that makes me uh, George R.R. R. Martin, the writer of Game of Thrones, and I I think we have, yeah, we have a picture. I, I'm still working on how this will all end, uh, but stay tuned. Jason Whitlock is George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, so that's my Game of Thrones analogy. That's the end of our marathon show today. Thank you, Bryson. Yes, sir. Uh, for coming in. Thank you, TJ, for playing yep. along. Uh, TJ, I'm sure. 
We've kept you a long time. I'm sure you're anxiously trying to get to the Brett Cooper podcast. We'll let you go. Uh, <laughs> Brett Cooper, I don't have any problem with you, baby girl. I'm just, but you know, you ain't fighting in the culture war, so good luck. Uh, anyway, that's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.